it up, though, it's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he had. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. It's your coach and else who's the most coach cam. We back at it again, man. And I'ma switch it up this week. Uh normally I, I hit you right with the with the NBA to start off. I'ma save the NBA for a little bit later. Uh this week I got a uh special guest interview with one of the most influential high school AAU coaches, program directors in the state of Michigan. Got him on the pod. Uh somebody that's that's endeared to me. Uh, who I get my coaching style from. Uh, we're talking about Marcus Webster. Uh, he's the CEO and founder of the Reach Legends Youth Program. So we had an opportunity to uh, interview him this week, get his thoughts on high school basketball, AAU, uh, just the state of the culture and how things are going. Uh, they just won the Catholic League Championship. About to talk about that in a second here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to start off the pod this week with an interview, uh, switch it up a little bit. So I want you guys to welcome uh, Marcus Webster, CEO of Reach Legends, to my podcast. This is your coach. You know who's the most. This is Coach Cam. We got the podcast episode number 11. This week we got a special guest for you guys. We got one of the most influential high school and AAU basketball coaches in the metro Detroit area. His name is Marcus Webster. He is the CEO and founder of the Reach Legends Youth Program. He's also the assistant coach at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. I would like my listeners to say hello and welcome Marcus to the podcast. Hello, Coach Mark. Appreciate you, Cam. Appreciate you having me on. So, uh, a little drain from last night, fighting through the snow and getting down to uh, Orchard Lake's uh, playoff game against Brother Rice just getting those guys to be intense to every possession. I have a role to play, so. Got to. I mean, that's just, it just comes with the territory. I mean, you, you yeah. live in the Metro Detroit area. I mean, driving in some snow and being prepared like that, just, <laughs> it comes with, with living in Detroit. So let man, me, that's getting old, it is, man. It is, I know. Old. I know, but it ain't going to change. It ain't going to change. Mm-hmm. So tell me this, like, right now, who are you and what's your basketball background? Uh, well, basically, uh, me and Virgil Phillips started back in 1981, 82. We met as bowling partners, and uh, he liked my moxie and how I was a competitor and talked. And we just started working out with kids. And mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to fast forward uh, 20, 30 years, and this thing started evolving into a little bit more in basketball. But from the mm-hmm. basketball standpoint, just years of training and going to camps and not really knowing what I was doing, but I got things validated as I was going along, and I did my study and mm-hmm. copied copy some of the great coaches around the area, you know, from Perry Watson to mm. uh, Harry Hairston and Johnny mm-hmm. Golson, those guys, mm-hmm. Coach Kelso, you know, growing up uh, watching those guys. And then actually, as I got a little older, just watching them, how they uh, ran practices and things of that, of that nature. And then yeah, me, me not knowing what I was doing, you know, I just found some flyers here and there and went to a few basketball camps. You know, the great Larry Brown from uh, – Kansas and North Carolina, yep, you know, 
I went to a couple of those camps. That was probably the best $20 I ever spent. And that kind of put a base in and I got a chance okay. to go down. You know, a lot of people don't realize I got a chance to go down to North Carolina. And I, I went down there for a reason. Right. And, and I snuck in to see uh, Camden Indoor and, and was able to work some basketball camps down there, work some basketball okay. camps at Michigan. You know, I act like I knew what I was doing, but the whole time I didn't realize I was building my base of knowledge of, of different oh, yeah. flavors of basketball. And people don't realize this, but I coached girls as well. Oh, wow. And, and I, work, I worked girls' basketball camps. So from a basketball standpoint, I didn't realize I was training myself, but uh, what the, a lot of males don't realize, we learn visually, and I was learning a lot of stuff, and I would just take my own flavor and mm -hmm. things that they did. I would make it my way. And One thing I just kept in, in this whole process, and even at my age to this day, uh, it's kind of hard to tell my age because it's just about how long I've been living. Right. I still kept, I've still kept my youth and vigor in my approach to this whole game, and that's what's appealing to a lot of the kids and people that are surrounding me. I just try to make sure we make this thing fun mm -hmm. and it's serious business now. It's a whole nother ball game, but I have to kind of pick and choose now who I deal with because of the social media standpoint, too many cameras. I can't say and do half the stuff I used to do training wise. Oh, no, no way. No way. No way. <laughs> as, no as, way you, as, as you know, there's, there's certain things we, we can't do anymore. Right. Uh, because of, uh, the certain standards of how things are politically well, wise. So they, they they like to say that the youth keeps you youthful, especially if you have the right energy. Uh, and ever since I agree I've with that one hundred percent. And 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 ever since I've known you, you've always had that same type of energy. That's why that's kind of the reason why I coach the way I coach is because I learned from guys like you, and I had draw you know got my energy from guys like you. So yeah, I mean, I'm still a big kid. I'm still a big yeah, kid at heart. It, yep. it is, and, and a lot of people lose that. Like in today's game, they lose the the joy and the love for the game, mm -hmm. and that's one thing that you never should lose. But if you're surrounded by, because coaches will kill and drain that love and joy from the game from you. But if mm -hmm. you don't, you have to be surrounded by people and coaches that are are I able and, and to give you that energy. So. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot, and that's why it stands out for you because it's like you truly enjoy what you do, and because you should, you should enjoy, yeah. you know, coaching basketball because it should be about fun. But a lot, right. what you said is a big business now, so it's a little right. different yep. in today's complex. So yeah, you know, I got a motto I, I operate by. You know, a lot of people don't realize, but uh, you know, I've been a, a computer uh, programmer, analyst, mm -hmm. systems mm -hmm. engineer for the last thirty years. And that's what I okay. do for a living. Okay. But uh, but but what I live to do is work with kids. And mm -hmm. um, it just so happens that the game, I'm able to understand and have a different approach that it is a game. But we can use mm -hmm. the game to do a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. And I've always tried to make sure I show the angle of that I don't play basketball for a living. I probably would love trade places with a few of these guys to be in position to do that. But... Mm -hmm. I think I was put in a position to do what I do for the reason that I do what I do because I've watched and observed a lot of people and there's very few people that I connect and say, no, you, you ain't quite ain't at my level. So right. you know, they, uh, the young fella that just passed away, everybody knows about the mamba mentality. I've mm -hmm. had that kind of mentality without him even saying a mamba. So that just validated yeah. some of the stuff that I've been doing. I'm going, you might think you better than me today, but if you stop working, I'm going to catch and pass you. I'm going to catch you and pass you, yeah. 
So just parlay that into the REACH program. You know, for years and years and years ago, we just did grassroots. We just kept the kids local. And then oh, pretty much, uh, you know, when we were what started the program, we pretty much didn't really do too much as far as travel and that kind of things because of limited resources. But we created our own environment. But uh, as Rashad got a little older, 8, 9, 10, we started uh, venturing into uh, the actual AAU uh, process. And, and then we just stopped stop losing games mm-hmm. and and that became the expectation and when you walk in the gym it's a win automatically but i didn't realize the reason there was a win automatically is because we were doing the two a days and three a days and yeah. we were working on bounce passes for a whole two you know we mm-hmm. come in the gym and i see a guy that that couldn't make a right hand layup you know for a fact i said well we're not doing nothing until we make it out yeah, to yeah. no, to we to the whole group make a thousand right hand layups. Yeah. And then yeah. make a thousand left hand layups. Then maybe uh maybe we'll uh maybe we'll progress and, and do some other stuff today, but we might spend the whole two hour session, nine o'clock ten o'clock yeah. on Saturday, ten o'clock mm-hmm. on Saturday morning. So if you came to our sessions ten o'clock on Saturday morning for seven years, when you started when you were seven, when you became fourteen, you played for your high school team because you was in the camp all year round. Yeah. And I came with something new. Verge came with something new every week. And mm-hmm. if you didn't, if you didn't perform, you didn't get picked for what? The All Star team. Right. It was an All Star game every week in that boy. Mm-hmm. So we created our own environment and all league. But once we ventured out and walked in the gym, we didn't. We wasn't worried. I didn't realize that was the key. But we weren't worried about nobody else being back because we was prepared. We already put in work. Oh, uh, we always we was already when the games would get tight. You know, I I still have that mentality today. I love a tight game because I know my training is three minute, four minute, five minute games. We've already did that. And to give, and to give our listeners some context, right? Because mm-hmm. right now I can talk to Coach Mark for hours. We can have this mm-hmm. conversation, but I want to mm-hmm. give my, my my listeners some context. So what Coach is referring to is referring to St. Rita's Gym on the east side of Detroit, right off the of State Fair. Correct. And we had a youth program where every Saturday, you know, the youth would, would come in and we would work on basketball skills all day long in groups. So you would have a group, an under-12 group. You would have a middle school group. You would have a girls' group in between. Didn't mean the ages. Then you would have your ninth JV. Grade. You had JV your group. high school group. And at the end of the day, you had your varsity group. So Watch this now. Day, Watch this. Watch this. And then after that, Coach Mark would play. There you go. There you go. So the entire day on Saturday. Now, we're not talking about the sessions that you have for these groups during the week. So whatever, like if I was under 12, we would come in, all right, you come in Tuesday, Thursday at 6 right. o'clock. Right. If I was the JV crew, you come in Monday and Wednesday at yep. 8 o'clock. So yep. basically all week we in the gym, right? Yep. So yep. by the time the weekend came, we were already ready and prepared to play games. That's why for us, for the people that came through the Reach Legends organization, we didn't need AAU. We were our own AAU team. We exactly. were just like over the same region to play us because we didn't yep. need AAU. We were already prepared to play. Well, we didn't have no money. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't have no money. And it was it was literally a local organization. Like, a, that's why a lot of those kids, they say, oh, well, Reach always sent guys to Persia. Well, it's down the street from person. And all those kids that came up to the school <laughs> lived in the area. Like, it was exactly. a neighborhood program. Like, everybody left the gym. You didn't have somebody picking you up. That was different for me when I found out about a yard ride. But for the people in the neighborhood, it was literally a neighborhood program. 
if you speak up Rashad Phillips, why is Rashad Phillips important to uh, the Reach Legends and this organization? And you personally, like, what what is Rashad Phillips? What what has he done for uh, as far as like getting uh, the Reach name out there? Well, Rashad basically uh, entails exactly what happened with that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, unknown kid, uh, small, under not strong in stature. He's six three, six four. You probably wearing his shoes. But with him being mm-hmm. under six feet, uh, against the odds, against the numbers, uh, went to University of Detroit before he left. Uh, quite notable there. Numerous awards. Um, and basically, a lot of people thought he was trying to clone himself to be Iverson, but he was trying to he was trying to clone himself to be Mike. Jordan, yes. <laughs> Jordan was all over that house. Yeah. The dude really, if the dude could have got 6'6", six, six, Mike and Kobe would have had to deal with, it, is who better, Mike, Kobe, or Rashad? Yeah, basically. for real. Yeah. And uh, he basically taught me how to deal with high-end players. Coach Mark, mm-hmm. that ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. Coach Mark, this is what's going on. Coach Mark, you got to let me do this. I got you, young fella. Well, if you can get it done your way, get it done. Yeah, it was it was so funny. One of our tournaments we went to, and you know how me and Verge love to talk on the sideline. Of course, and Verge lost his voice, and I had to pretty much. I was really the secondary, and Verge was the primary, and I had to really lead. And that's when I got my first shot. Me and Shaw would go at. I said, Shaw, I need you to do it, Coach. I can't do that. Let me do my thing. I said, I got you. Well, do your thing, and we get it done. I said, now, that, now, this is the structure we got to say, yeah, but we got to be able to come outside the box. That makes us unguardable. You know, so him and a host of other players coming behind him, you know, you always got to listen to your players as a coach. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that Rashad taught me. But I tell you what Rashad did. Rashad beat the odds. That's true. Yeah. And the draft night it wasn't about Rashad making it. It was about Rashad going through that whole process. And he still has to deal with that demon and goes to this day of not hearing his name being called. That's true. And he taught us the business side of the okay. NBA and basketball. Yeah. you got to be able to play to be in that game. Mm-hmm. But there's another game being played that has nothing to do with basketball. Basketball at all. Yep. Case in point, people don't realize that Rashad is still at his playing weight. Yeah, and right I, I'm going to tell you subconsciously what that's about. If somebody was to give him a shot, he could perform at that level. I would put my my whole bankroll on it. Mm-hmm. To this day, he still believes that. But he was phenomenal with his work ethic. You know, I put a challenge up to the guys. We was on the way to a tournament. I told the guys, nobody leaves the gym till they make 23s. And he went out and made 23s in a row in five minutes, and he was out of there. Yep. Yeah, I used to tell people that I didn't say, I didn't I say 23s to tell in a row. Used to do at Saint this is when I fell in love with like, like guys that really could shoot, right? So I remember, because I used to say it all that, because my dad wasn't picking me up. All right, he was right. to the gym. <laughs> I'm there all day, right? Yeah, so some I, of you was Reggie Miller, too, by the way. Yeah, okay, yeah, I was Reggie Miller. I see that. But I used to watch this guy. He would put 10 minutes on the clock. He would have one ball, and Virgil would say, all right, I need 103. No rebounder, full court. I need you to make 103. Now, when he said it, I was just like, there's no way he's about to make 103. One ball, full court, with 10 yep. minutes on the clock. 
did. That's exactly what he did. And he did it oh, repeatedly. Yeah. Like, I saw it multiple times. Right. I remember talking to this guy, like, yeah, he used to put 10 years of He's like, yeah, make 100 Like, it seems like it's easy. Like, you have to be a high-level player, high-level shooter to pull that off. Like, to this day, I can't pull it off. I wouldn't even try it. To make a hundred threes in ten minutes is, is pretty phenomenal. So he used to have those kind of stories, and just coming out of the Reese Lex program, like he's not the only one. He might be the guy, the poster child of what Reese was trying to do. But there were a lot of players that came through that system, that came through that fold, exactly. that had a lot of success, and a lot of that was due because we just got to the gym and we got it in. So. Worked love, and worked and worked. So and worked and worked. So I love talking about you know our process and what we did and things of that sort. So let our li- listeners know, like, where are you coaching now? Like, where are you at the process? Are you coaching well, AAU? Are you coaching high school? Like, where are you at now? Actually, um, I'm I've uh, taken a consultant role in AAU. I pick and okay. choose now who I coach. Uh, everybody doesn't want to be coached by by. A, a coach that knows what to do and how to do. Some parents don't trust the process. Uh, some of the things that I may do may like, why is he doing that? And uh, I'm just taking everything that I learned. I'm not perfect and I don't know it all. I'm still learning to this day, but I'm still running the reach program and uh, we'll be back out there banging heads uh, this, this coming spring and summer. And then, uh, then I've been assistant coach at Orchard Lake for the last four years. And okay. it's been a, it's been a change in, in how I approach a coaching as well. There, there's certain mm-hmm. things that you got to do and, Coach Colbert does a, a high-end job preparing those guys every game. And I've learned so much from uh, from him from the standpoint of how the prep is necessary. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminds me so much of, of, of Coach Naos on his preparation of getting these guys ready for every game and from every aspect. And, uh, you know, I bring my certain flavor to it as well and my certain interpretation and to validate it. And it's so funny that uh, some of the things that uh, that happens on that bench – a lot of times from the substitution rotation, from the play calling for that. Sometimes I have no, I don't even have to say nothing because what I want to do is already in motion. Sorry, so, yep. yep. So, but you know that's what I'm doing now. I'm enjoying it. The, we've got a, a good group of young fellas. Uh, they're talented. Uh, getting them to prepare themselves for the season. They challenge me, and I challenge them. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, we were getting up at five o'clock a couple, uh, two or three times a week, working on the weekends, uh, doing some running, and uh, those kind of things, non-basketball-related stuff. And uh, it's kind of paying off this time of year. So, you know, I just reminded them, you know, all the wins don't even matter. It's about playing each game and winning each game. The next game will take care of itself, and all the past games are over with. And you can only you can only look at that as a as a trophy sitting on the mantelpiece. It, it doesn't do anything for you. So, just getting them to play every yeah, getting them to play every game is is what I'm really good at, and and playing in the moment and being the best that you can be every moment that you're out there. Yeah, you made a mistake. All right, make up for it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's yeah, that's what that's, I've been doing. One of the things that like a lot of people don't understand is the game is won or lost before the game is even begun. And yeah. just the fact that you've got if you've been there four years. And all the things that you've been doing, doing leading up to what you guys are doing now is the reason why you did all of that work prior yep. to. Correct, you know, yes. So mm-hmm. Being able to, to play for a Catholic League championship, if you had said that four years ago, you would have been like, well, you would need, they look like they might just win it every year. And yep. but you guys, you went in there, you put in the work and say, all right, we're going to continue to get better. We're going to keep adding pieces. And you look up four years later, and it's like, or it's like one of the top five teams in the state. And that's, wow. not by, that's not by 
mistakes. Like, that's wow. my work and my process. If you had said that four years ago, you'd have been like, yeah, right, that is not possible. But that was my goal. I wanted to be yeah. I wanted to be a part of the process, uh, Coach Covert, uh I was, you know, my son graduated from there in 2010. So okay. prior to that, I was the volunteer temp film guy for football and basketball. I did that because mm-hmm. I don't have no money. You know, my money <laughs> go to reach. So I was let them know I was a million-dollar donor because I'm a million-dollar guy. So sure. that, was, that was my donation of time. But it allowed me to watch my son play and not try to be his coach. And uh, so I did that. And... Uh, after he graduated, I continued to be the, the film guy for the team. And uh, when Coach Porch stepped down, Coach Colby took the reins. and was like, Coach Webb, you want to come help me out? And I was like, I would love to. And the, the whole goal for him is he wanted to develop a program and make mm-hmm. basketball relevant at Orchard and, Lake. And, I and, that's, that's, and that's exactly what you guys have done. Yeah, so, I, I appreciate that. Yep. Yeah, so I got two more questions for you while I got it here. I don't want to keep our listeners too long. Uh, but, but you've had a team. You say you've been you've been with the Reach organization for a while, and you've had a team a couple years ago. I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before, where you had seven or eight guys who ended up playing Division One or Division Two basketball, and you guys were the circuit team. Like you did play for Adidas, you did play for Nike, didn't play for Under Armour. So I want you to, to I want you to is playing for a shoe circuit team is that important? Because you had eight guys on one team play Division One, so. How is it that you're able to get eight guys to play on the NY2LA circuit and still able to go D1, and they didn't play NYBL, they didn't play Adidas, and they didn't play UAA? So is playing for a shoe circuit team that important? Playing for a shoe circuit team could do things for you. Okay. Uh, but the only problem with playing for a shoe circuit team is – you're in a mass community. Playing in a non-circuit uh, situation, you're more isolated and you're more highlighted. Okay. So, for example, if you're a six-seven wing player, dynamic, top-end player, high-major player, mm-hmm. in the NY2LA circuit, there may be three of those guys. And it has nothing to do with you saying that you want to play against the best. That day is coming. If anybody watched Maryland, Minnesota last night, that day is coming if you're oh, one of those guys. Those guys are not going to miss out on you. They're going to come get you. Mm-hmm. And the college coaches of today' job is to go find someone that no one else knows about. Mm-hmm. So so that's one factor. But on a, say, EYBL circuit, maybe an Adidas circuit, there's 20 of those six, seven kids, and the college coaches got to decide, which one am I going to see? Mm-hmm. You know, so you you got to pick and choose where you want to make that battle. So right. it's a fine line. It's a prideful thing. Like, man, I want to play against the best. Yeah, you, but also you got to realize that the NY2LA circuit or the non-shoe company circuit that we play on has produced NBA guys. Yes. Tyler Harrell down at Miami played mm-hmm. NY2LA. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Yeah, the kids. He was, he was originally committed to Wisconsin. He, yeah. he decommitted from Wisconsin. Exactly. This summer on NY2LA, he did so well. He's like, he ain't making it to Wisconsin. Like, he's going to Kentucky. Like, so, he's just killing everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, so let me just try to cut to the chase a little bit, though. Playing on okay. the circuit team is, is valuable. You can get some value out of that. But it's about who you play for, for sure. and, and the connections that they have. Mm-hmm. And, and I will tell you, I have answered every phone call of any coach from a junior college, small junior mm-hmm. college, all the way to the biggest schools. Yep. And I, re- I, I not only respond to them, but I also provide them information. 
who's on my team, yep. where we play, when we play, what gym we playing in, and who coaching the team. And I also provide them, without question, their parents' information, their head coach, high school coach information. I make sure they got total information from uh, from my my program. You know, I'm kind of like letting the bag, letting it out the bag. But it's really no no real secret. But you've got to really, really, really work. So after you do that for ten, fifteen, twenty years, you're well known. Yeah, you got you got rapport. You develop a report. You got a lot of young coaches that need leads into young fellows that they can bring to their head coach to say, "Hey, the the next job Morant." You know that guy yep. was in a he was in an auxiliary gym shooting around, and a a young uh, I don't know if he was a grad assistant or he was a young coach assistant coach was like, "Hey, we need to take a look at this kid." And, so, and I got and, and I, and I hate to cut you off, but I have a great example to exemplify that. So while I'm coaching for Reese, there was a player in the organization. His name was Kay Felder. At the time, Kay Felder made a ad three Division One offers, right? Right. Right. And there was a, it was a coach, assistant coach at Oakland University, Sadi Washington. So Sadi Washington was really recruiting Kay Felder. He said, "We, I really got to have him, and I'm just really want to recruit this kid pretty hard." And during that spring and summer, Sadi Washington was every single place we were at. And I didn't really understand, like, the back end of it, as far as, like, having a schedule, where we're going to play at, what time we're going to be there. And I didn't understand that until I became a college coach. And then I thought, oh, man, Coach Mark was basically leading Scotty right to the well. He was leading right. right there. Because he was everywhere we were supposed to be at. He was at every day. I don't care if we played at 730 in the morning or 730 at night. He was at every day. And he was very visible. So when it came time for Kay Phillips to commit to a school, it was like, I, I mean, the school that showed me the most love is Oakland and Sidey Watson. Like, he recruited me to artist, so I'm going to go there. Even though by the time his senior year started, everything was on. He was gone by that right. point. He had exactly. already done his work. He had exactly. already his work. So, I mean, that, that point to the kind of work ethic that you do with the organization, like, you, you go beyond. Like, there are some uh, organizers, some directors, that don't have transcripts, that don't have high school coaches numbers, that don't have mom and dad number, and those are the things that help you get recruited and help you get a college scholarship, and those are things that you're able to do. So I hate to cut you off, but I think that was just a perfect example. Kate Felder, was, he didn't have 20 offers. He had three offers, right? Yep. But the school that recruited him, the artist, was the school that you was helping. Why you need to go here? You need to be there. You know, it, it worked out for him. Yep. And it's a, um, it's a non-paying, thankless job. Yeah, because uh, I've probably, I don't know if it's approaching thousands, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that never have, played for you. No, that have played for me have received scholarships. Mm -hmm. And there's probably a handful that I've got a thank you card from. So it's not a, it's not something where you get a pat on the back. You'll That's get true. more you'll get more scrutiny. You know why why my son is not well. Your son ain't producing. I had a young fella that was in position to uh, get noticed by University of Michigan, and he was on one of my teams. Uh, and uh, he thought he would, wasn't getting enough playing time. But you know, I, I talked to my players. I said, "Well, this was going to happen, young fella." I talked to John Beeline. He would be at our game tomorrow at ten o'clock. You're starting, mm. and we're going and we're going to make sure we run it through you. <laughs> and so you know, it's on you And so I put it on him, and he didn't perform well. But you know, I know how to talk to coaches. I said, "Coach, it'd be all right." So he started the next two games, and 
the stress and the pressure of that situation, he wasn't prepared for it. So, but he wasn't a kid. He wasn't a kid that played in St. Rita. He was one of those transients. He was a kid that came from somewhere else and wow, thought, yeah. Yeah, thought thought wearing the jersey was going to turn him into Superman. There's some work. There's some work ethic. I don't care what jersey you play on. You know, you got you got to put some work behind it. But just to say to play for Reach is not really. It's, it's it's a little bit more than just playing for Reach. It's it's playing for the passion of the game and what your your goal is. And you got to be prepared. And there's only so much as a coach that I can do, especially in the off season for you, that you can't do for yourself. So, and you know, one of the things I tell them all the time: if you think coming to my two hour AAU practice is going to get you ready for a weekend tournament, you're mistaken. Yeah. You you got to go run some miles this week, and you got to go put up hundreds of shots this week before we get on the weekend. Because when I call blue, which which is you know what that is, mm-hmm. you got to be able to go to work. So yeah, and so we we've uh, we made this thing look somewhat uh, complicated and processed, but it's really not. It's, it comes down to some basic simples on work ethic and being prepared for your situation. But anyway, we got off track about playing for a non shoe company team. Yeah, uh, you can you can benefit from playing on those circuits, and you can, but you don't. It's not a, a means to an end. Okay. Especially if you find a guy like Coach Mark. Okay. And and I will say this point blank: I don't need a shoe company to validate my my process or my 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 goal because uh, you just mentioned the team a couple of years ago. Technically, we had eleven kids on there, and all eleven of them had scholarship offers. Some had walk-on, some had preferred walk-ons, and some of them had a couple had D twos, and they all qualified. They're all playing. Some chose not to play. Some chose to be mm-hmm. students. But one thing that I will say is the in and and reach is, is pretty stood up. All those kids were phenomenal students, and uh, that's true. They were, they were they were able to. They were eligible. <laughs> right. They were right. Eligible. They were qualified. And, and that's key. And, you know, and so, you know, we, we talk a lot about one of the best. That's probably one of the best talented groups of kids that's ever played for each, just a collective group. But I got some teams probably would have beat them out because of toughness. They probably want the the toughest one, but they, they would argue. So it's almost like comparing eras. So we have a nice, tight group family that, that we get to talking about who, who had the best team. But I will tell you, every reach team that I've ever coached, when I walk in the gym, if you don't strap it up, you know, you you ready for a dog fight. Yeah, you be ready for a dog fight. You may have beat us that day. Right. But, uh, but you, you, know, you got to deal with it. The thing people don't really understand about reach is, is because – those dog fights was happening on a daily basis. Right. We had, we had already went at each other. Like I don't know how many organizations say we have to do this. So when we had you have fifteen U, sixteen U, and seventeen U. I don't know how many organizations say you know what we're gonna practice everybody at the same time. Right. In the same gym, and we all yep. gonna get it in. And there were right. a lot of kids that couldn't survive in that context, and they had to go and play for other teams. Because it's like, oh, man, there's a lot of players in this gym. You well, you know, well, you know my model for that. In the same gym, we got to get in. You got to ride the creek. You got to ride the creek. Right. Yeah. So, you know, my model for that is uh, having too many talented kids in the gym is not our problem. That's their problem. That's their problem. They got to deal with it. It ain't our problem. <laughs> we, we have some difficulties, man. Right. So, yeah. So, but that's how you build it. So, my last question, because, uh, you know, I want to – get you on to what you need to be doing. My last question here, if you could change one thing about Michigan high school basketball, because you coach high school and you coach Davey, if you could change one thing about Michigan high school basketball and one thing about Michigan travel, 
travel basketball, what would you do? What would you change? High school basketball, there's actually two things you need to change. Mm -hmm. The understanding of the climate of basketball business today for the administrators to make the rules applicable Mm -hmm. and make it an advantage for our students. Right now, Michigan students are held at a disadvantage. Correct. From from the transfer rule and for the limitation of playing uh, in with a selected boundary, real simple approach. Uh, NCA allows colleges to go overseas and play every other year, or every two years, something like that. Yes, every I want to say it's every three years you can go overseas and play. Uh, allow high school to go every other year. You're allowed to travel for one or two events outside the restricted parameter. Mm, okay. Kids are allowed to transfer because there's bad situations. Live with mom. Live with dad. Uh, just not a good mix in the school academically. Me and the coach don't get along. I, I want to play long. And it's just some real basketball stuff. I want to play with my friends. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. They they do it at the highest level. They do yeah, it. I mean, the high, they yeah, do it at the highest level. did it with D-Wade and Chris Bosh. My point what? is that. Kids should be allowed to transfer to one school without sitting out mm-hmm. once during their career. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and that's I mean, you, 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 you could be going for a one-time transfer where you don't have to sit. Right. That will be happening next year. Right, and the parameter around that would be you have to do it before your junior year. So you can't right. play three years and then transfer over to a powerhouse. You, know, you can put some parameters in place for that. Of course, and of then, course. And then allow – and then you could also put another parameter in there. Okay, so Orchard Lake, you can only take in three transfers – in a certain time period or five transfers in a certain time period. So you don't just keep getting kids from everybody else's school every year. Right. So, you know, you can put parameters around and control that. So from, from a travel team standpoint, we have not done what I was thinking about trying to do. And I just, I got some other things going on in my life. I just couldn't put the energy behind it. But before I'm right. done with this thing, I want to get every major and influential travel group, in the state of Michigan to collectively get together to make ourselves uh, a, a form of body where we can yeah. a compete against each other. That's cool, but control our narrative because right now Michigan is probably the the most traveled state there is. When That's it comes true. to when it comes to events here in Michigan, uh, teams support certain groups, but we don't have one event where we're all in the, in that one event. Mm-hmm. But if somebody somebody in Ohio is doing an event, you'll go down there, you'll see 20, 30 Michigan teams. Yep. If doing an event, you know, I hate playing against a team, UTS or Grand Rapids Storm, and I can play them back in Michigan. You know, I want to play I want to play a team from Ohio and Indiana or whatever, but you'll see us in Indiana, you'll see us in Wisconsin, you'll see us in, in, in Ohio at events, but We'll, we'll pick and choose who we support up here. So it's just yeah. not, not a collective group of people getting together. So Yeah, what, uh, it, what, it, what it should be is when the Grand Rapids Storm, when they have a tournament, everybody in Michigan is at that tournament. When the Reese Legends have a tournament, they should be at that tournament. When the Playmakers have a tournament, they should be at that tournament. And they should all be different weekends, and then everybody yeah. can eat. And it's, yep. so it's, it's not a problem. And we wouldn't have to yep. leave the state of Michigan. Right. Go to Speed. Because Speed, right. they don't come up here. They probably come no, up they don't. every summer. 
we're going down there. We can change the narrative and say, you know what? All it takes is to put all of us in one room and say, you know what? We're not going to this stuff. We're going to create our own circuit, our own yep. and whether it's live period or not, and the coach is going to come to us because we got all the players. Right, right, yep. You know, Rocky has a good event as well, but, uh, yeah. you know, just a, just a matter of uh, I would like to see that happen. You yeah. know, either if I could do it or if one of the young guys coming up has the energy to get behind it and make it work. So um, from our from our shoe company elite teams, and I've always supported them, I just – you got to have one of the best of the best. you got to have that spot, you know, it's, Things are there for a reason, so you know. Oh, sure. I, I just worry sure. about I am, but this has been awesome, Cam. I really appreciate you have given me a voice and your fifty, sixty, seventy listeners. You know, we'll see the tick, see if it goes up. I love the green room setup. The green room setup is awesome. I don't know. Yeah, if I mean, yeah. Whatever you're drinking right now is in the pleasure of your own, you know, office or, <laughs> or car or whatever you're like doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm having a nice little night in my kitchen because it's a snow day. So it all depends on you know where you're at at the time. But you know, we here at the We Talking Hoops uh, podcast. We appreciate you coming on. We like to talk to people that are influential, people that. Not your normal people that you would normally talk to, people that actually have very good basketball insight. And you've seen a lot of basketball in the last 30 years, 30, 40 years. Because, mm. shoot, I'm 39, and you talk about you've been first in 81. I mean, I was born in 81. I've been talking about 40 years of just basketball knowledge just being around the game. So we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Hopefully a few of our listeners got a few nuggets here and there. And, you know, this won't be the last time we'll talk. We'll do it all the time. But I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast and giving us your basketball insight today. All right, brother. Appreciate you. We'll see you down the way. That sounds good. Good luck to you with what you're making. Yeah, we're going to need it. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. They say need But you guys are right. fine. You got that. You'll be fine. Yep, I appreciate it. Talk to you yeah, soon. No All, right. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. See you. All right. Yep. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. First and foremost, I want to thank Coach Webster, Mark, Coach Mark, for the interview this week, getting on the podcast. I really appreciate that, Coach Mark. I've been knowing him since I was 12. Uh, I, I played for Reach. Uh, he, he coached me when I was little. When I started coaching, he was one of the very first people to support me coaching. Um, very influential as far as coaching goes, basketball mind. Man, I love Coach Mark, man. He's done a lot for me basketball-wise. And like I said, if you're watching, you listening to the podcast because we live with it. So just want to thank Coach Mark for coming on to the podcast. I'm flipping up the episode this week. We're going to talk about high school to start off. Normally, I start off talking about the NBA. This week, I'm going to start off talking about high school because we got a lot of things to talk about at high school uh, that I want to cover. So the first thing I want to cover is the Catholic League Championship. Had a chance to watch UAD play Orchard Lake St. Mary's in the championship game. And I was very impressed by the young fellas from uh, uh, UAD. Sonny Wilson is a problem. Sonny Wilson is a problem. I coached his uh, older brother, CJ, uh, at the school I used to work at, and he played AAU for me as well. He's a problem, man. He's very good with the ball screens. They tried icing the ball screens, and he was cutting them up. He, he, he was really good. He had 20 points in the game, had 18 through the first three quarters. I was really impressed with Sonny Wilson uh, for UAD. 
And the Cubs just play really well. They play well. They control tempo. Pat Donnelly does a great job controlling tempo, especially in March. He's kind of like an Izzo kind of a coach. He's gonna he's going to control March. So when it gets to playoff time, you better have your your, your board ready because they're gonna come ready to play. And and the Cubs came ready to play. Orchard Lake, on the other hand, they struggled for the first three quarters. They were down five at halftime. They were down seven at the end of three. And it looked like the Cubs was gonna win another. Catholic League Championship until Lauren Bowman woke up. Now, I don't know what he was doing the first three quarters. First three quarters, I think he had like 13 points. Missed about eight free throws. Like, he was tripping. I don't know what he did the night before, but he was tripping. But when he decided to guard Sonny Wilson at the end of the third quarter and said, you know what, young fella ain't about to just be putting on a show in front of me in this uh, city championship game, Catholic League championship game, and say, you know what, I got him. And that's what the elite players do. The elite players will say, you know what, my man over there getting off, but I'm about to lock him down, coach. I'm about to shut him down. And that's exactly what Lauren Bowman did. Started guarding Sonny Wilson. He had 18 points through three quarters. He only scored two the rest of the game. And guess who was guarding him? Lauren Bowman. And he's a Mr. Mr. Basketball finalist. We're going to talk about the Mr. Basketball here in a second. But Lauren Bowman just took over the game. And that's what big-time players do. I don't care what level. I don't care if it's AAU. I don't care if it's high school. I don't care if it's college. I don't care if it's the NBA. Big-time players take the game over. They don't need no play. Give me the ball. Move out the way. I'm going to make it happen offensively. And I'm going to guard the guy that's trying to get it done on the other side of the floor. So that's exactly what Lauren Bowman did. He dominated the fourth quarter. Absolutely dominated the fourth quarter. Offensively, give me the ball. Are you switching ball screens? Come up and set a ball screen. Switch. And he's able to get downhill. So, Orchard Lake, even though they were down 13 at one point in the game, I think the score was 46 to 33. Um, the Cubs were controlling the game. The Cubs were controlling the game. And then Lauren Bowman just said, you know what? I'm not losing this Catholic League championship. I'm not. I'm a Division I basketball player. Okay? I'm going to take this game over. And that's exactly what he did. He took the game over, and they ended up winning the Catholic League championship. I think the score was 40, uh, 61 to 54. Uh, the only issue with the game, as I'm watching, uh, the Cubs were down three with 17 seconds to go. And the refs end up calling a moving screen at the top of the key. And I had an issue with that. And I don't even talk about referees a lot. I leave the referees alone. I just thought it was a bogus call only because it did not affect the game. It did not affect the play. Nobody got, gained an advantage. And you basically just said the game was over. You give you give Orchard Lake the ball. And the, the basically game is over. The game is over. Like, let the players decide the game. And I understand why you would make that call, but it's just you just can't make that call at that time. So that was my only issue with the game. I thought both teams played well, even though Orchard Lake took a little while to get their gears grinding a little bit. And Lauren Bowman just slept, walked through three quarters, and then he woke up and then took over the fourth quarter. Uh, so shout out to Orchard Lake St. Mary's, the Eaglets. They get it done. Uh, it's their first championship in a while. They have. I mean, it's usually UAD has been winning the Catholic League Championship for the last three or four years. So it's about time somebody else won it. Uh, I had put my money. I thought Brother Rice was going to be in it. Uh, but they still got a couple young guys. Uh, so they're they're right there. They're almost there. That's the team that Orchard Lake had to beat to get to the championship game. But Orchard Lake, I mean, they got studs, man. You got Kareem Rozier, very good point guard. We interviewed him a two, couple weeks ago. Got Lauren Bowman, who's committed to Wisconsin, a Big Ten player. You got Julian Roper, who can get it done on the wing. You got Jason Drake, who can also get it done on the wing. So they got players, man. You got Peter Nwok, 
uh, 6'9", even though he didn't have a good showing this week, they had to sit him down, and they couldn't finish the game when they had to sit him down. Uh, but he's still a Division One prospect because of his height. Uh, I think they're soft. I mean, to me, they're soft. That's why they had to put they take him out the game and sit him down because they're soft. But uh, and they end up playing small ball. And JT, I'll tell you this: JT Morgan, Gliad coaches, hear me out. If if you if you looking for uh, a big. Not your traditional big. If you're looking for a guy that's like a stretch four, somebody that can play inside and out, uh, probably not be a program change program change for you. Somebody that maybe come off the bench, give you a few minutes, be a solid player for you because he's a really good kid. And he could play. He had a great game. He had 14 points, had about seven or eight rebounds. He should be playing in the GLIAC. That's a guy that I would be recruiting in the GLIAC because JT Morgan can play. He knows how to play basketball. And some of the discussions I have with some of these college coaches, you don't need 10 studs. Some of you coaches think you need 10 studs to win a basketball game. You do not need 10 studs. If you have two all-league players on your team, you should need five all-league players to win the league. If you got two of them, say you're on your team, you got two all-league players, you need to surround those guys with guys that know how to play that can play a role, that can rebound, that can make shots, that can defend. So JT Morgan is one of those role player guys who can come to your system and be effective. If you're looking for him to be an all-league guy, he ain't going to be that. I'm sorry. I'm just talking to my Gliad coach. He ain't going to be that. But if you want him to be a good role player, he can. And he's going to go to grades. He's got a good background. Why would you want to recruit a kid like that? Those are the kind of kids I like to recruit because at the end of the day, I ain't got to worry about you going to class. You're going to go to class. I ain't got to worry about you showing up on time. You're going to show up on time. Now, it's up to me to make you a better basketball player. That's just how I think. Some of these coaches think, I just need all studs. Like, I need guys that's all state, all league. I need 10 of them. And then you get 10 of them, and then it's now what? Like, like do you know how hard it is to get two all league guys? But you want 10? So JT Morgan is one of those kids. He had a really good showing this weekend. Um, and these are the games we look at. As college coaches, we're looking to get, see what you're doing against the best teams, right? So if I'm looking at JT Morgan, I'm, I don't care what you did against Loyola. I don't care what you did against Bishop Foley. What did you do against Orchard Lake St. Mary's? What did you do against Brother Rice? Those are the games I'm watching. I'm not watching the games where you might have had 25 on against a team that ain't never going to play in college. What up, CJ? I see you just popped on, just talked about little bro. Sonny, a problem. So, uh, very impressed with uh, JT Morgan uh, for the Cubs. He had a really good game in his Catholic League championship, even though the Eaglets got it done. What's up, Coach Rick? Just talked about Brother Rice here as well. Uh, so, this covering Operation Friendship is this week. If you're just now tuning in, I'm live on Facebook, but this is my episode for the high school portion for my podcast. So I appreciate you guys watching. I'm one take hold, so I'm not going to be cutting and editing. What you see and what you hear is what you get. This will be the podcast this week. So I'm going to say what up, though. 
Now, Operation Friendship is this week on Thursday. You got Detroit Cast Tech against Orchard Lake St. Mary's. You got two Mr. Basketball candidates going head up. You got Tyson Acuff going against Lauren Bowman. You got Detroit Cast Tech, who's perennially just won the city championship in Detroit. They've been holding down the PSL the three of the last four years. They're going against Orchard Lake St. Mary's, who's loaded and got studs. This is the matchup we've been talking about. We've been talking about Tyson. We've been talking about Lauren for three, four years now. Now we get to see the show. We get to see the show. And if you got a chance to vote for Mr. Basketball and you want to come up Thursday and say, you know what? I might vote for Tyson or I might vote for Lauren. This is going to be the game to watch, right? This is going to be the game to watch because both these guys going to go at it. They're going to go at it. Trust me and believe they are going to go at it because they know if they got any plans on winning Mr. Basketball, this is the game. This is the game. Tyson Acuff didn't already drop 40 in the game went on Harry Ford. He didn't already went over to the west side of the state and dropped 30 and beat East Kenwood. What else he got to do but beat another Mr. Basketball candidate, right? If I had a vote for Mr. Basketball right now, I'm, I'm voting for Tyson Acuff. And that's nothing against Jalen Terry. He's a great player. Nothing against Lauren Bowman. Great player. Nothing against Scooby Johnson. But the year that Tyson Acuff is having, you have seen growth in this game. You have seen him go from a player that was just another good player on a good team to being one of the best players in the state. He's getting it done. He's getting to the rim. He's hitting threes. He's attacking. He's playing defense. I mean, I think personally, Tyson Acuff should win Mr. Basketball because as a full season, now we take it just this season, his senior season has by far been the best season he's had in high school. Lauren Bowman has had a good year, but he's been up and down a little bit because he's got other good players on his team. When you go and see Detroit Cast Tech, you are going to see Tyson Acuff, period. You are. Now, when you go see Orchard Lake, they got other three guys. They got Julian Roper you can go see. Kareem Rozier, we already talked about that. They just got a good team. So on some nights, one of those guys might get off. When you go to Cass, and by the way, they're 17-1. When you go watch Cass, if they are winning the game, it's because of Tyson Acuff. Now, he's got a couple players with him. Okay, he's got Isaiah Sanders on the inside. He's got Kyle LeGreer, another good Division I guard going to UD, helping him out. But what I'm telling you is this. Tyson Acuff is Mr. Basketball. But here's why he won't win. And we're going to talk about the Mr. Basketball finalists right now. We're going to talk about it right now because you already know what, what the, the Operation Friendship is this Thursday, 7 o'clock. I got to make a few plans. I got kids under two. So I got to figure out how I'm going to do it. But I'm going to figure it out. Uh, because I got to see Tyson go up against Lauren for the real city championship, PSL against the Catholic League, right? I got to see it. But let's talk about the Mr. Basketball finalists. You got Tyson Acuff from Detroit Cast Tech. You got Lauren Bowman, and this was just announced this week from the Free Press. You got Lauren Bowman, who plays at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. You got Scooby Johnson that plays at Benton Harbor. You got Matt Nicholson. And plays at Clarkson, and you have Jalen Terry that plays at Flint Beecher, right? Just take out Matt Nicholson. Just take him out. He ain't even in the conversation. The only reason he's in the conversation is because he plays at Clarkson. That's it, and he's 6'10", and he's going to Akron, and he's probably going to sit next year. Now, Jalen Terry, you can really make a, a vote for Jason Jalen Terry. He's already a state champion. He's committed to go to Oregon to play basketball. It's just... His senior has been good. He's been a little injured for a few games. It just hasn't been great. I'm just going to say it hasn't been great. It's been good. 
It's been really good. It just hasn't been great. And if I'm a voter, especially in the Flint area, so what's going to hurt Jalen Terry is that in the Flint area, you don't have a whole lot of BCAM voters. So that's what's going to hurt him trying to get votes for Mr. Basketball because he's from Flint and it's just harder unless you're just head and tails better than everybody else. Monte Morris got it done all over the state. So picking him for Mr. Basketball was a little bit different because he won two or three state titles. That in itself is enough to win Mr. Basketball. Jalen Terry, I don't think, has done enough to win Mr. Basketball, even though he's a great player, really good player. Love his upside. He's athletic. He can shoot it. I just don't think he's done enough. Now, Scooby Johnson, Carlos Scooby Johnson committed to go to Butler. They just beat Ipsy Lincoln last weekend. He put on a show. I think he had 19 and 12. Kind of shut down Imani a little bit. Uh, the thing about Scooby, he has a legit chance to win Mr. Basketball. The reason why he has a legit chance to win Mr. Basketball is because he can draw votes from the west side of the state. There's not a candidate for Mr. Basketball on the west side of the state. I thought Jarvis Walker from Muskegon was going to make the bill. I think he should have made it in front of Matt Nicholson. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but Scooby is going to get some votes from the west side of the state. So those people on the west side of the state, they remember Scooby Johnson going up against Grand Rapids Catholic Central in the state final, and he get the offensive rebound. He take it full court. He hit a step back three to win the game. Like, you don't forget that kind of stuff. And I really think that he might have a chance to win Mr. Basketball. He might have a legit chance to win Mr. Basketball because he's going to get the votes from the west side of the state. It's not about who's the best player. This is what a lot of people don't understand. See, BCAM has about 5,000 members. And it's about maybe in the Detroit area, maybe 100. So if you take 100 members out of 5,000, that's not a whole lot of votes. So where are you drawing your votes from? You have to go on the west side of the state and play. You got to play downriver and play. You might have to go a little bit up north to Saginaw and play to try to find votes because you're not getting those votes in Detroit. When I was the head of the Detroit Coaches Association and I was able to get a deal to get all of my Detroit coaches signed up for B-Camp, I don't really, uh, you know what? Before I even get to that, there are a lot of things I did in the PSL that I was trying to do uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago that y'all still haven't done. You're not have given me any kind of credit for, but I digress. I done did some stuff in the PSL that a lot of y'all done probably forgot, but I'm a digress. But anyway, one of the things I did in the PSL as the head of Detroit Coaches Association had a deal where all the Detroit coaches were signed up for B-Camp. This was critical in 2011 when Keith Applin won it because he was able to get more votes out of Detroit than you normally could. Right. You get a school plan. You get six or seven coaches signed up. You times that by 30 or 40. Just do the math. Now, instead of having on like close to 100 coaches, now you got two, three, four hundred coaches voting for you and it can sway some voters. Now, Keith Applin the year before had already scored 42 in the state championship game. So they, he really didn't even need the votes. It's just the point that you have to go out of your way. If you're a Detroit area coach to make sure these people get votes, because I'm going to tell you right now, Lauren is going to split votes for Tyson and might split a few votes for Jalen. And then Carlos Scooby Johnson will be Mr. Basketball only because he can get the west side of the state votes. So Tyson, I think he has a legit chance to win Mr. Basketball. The only thing that's going to hurt Tyson is he can't get the votes. 
He can't get the votes because the, the people in Detroit, they don't mess with B-Cam. I'm just going to be honest with you. They don't, even though they should mess with B-Cam. They should. For situations like this, when you have a PSL player, the best player in your league, he's up for Mr. Basketball, and you can't vote for him because you ain't a member of B-Cam. It costs $20. Y'all spend $20 just getting into the club. You spend $20 on gas to go to the games. But you can't spend $20 to be a B-Cam member to vote for Tyson Acuff? I don't think that's possible. So I think the Mr. Basketball uh, Championship, not championship, but the Mr. Basketball Award is going to come down to Tyson Acuff and Scooby Johnson. If Scooby Johnson can get those votes from the west side of the state, I think he might be able to do it. If Cass is able to beat Orchard Lake St. Mary's, Tyson Acuff might be able to steal some votes that way, too. I mean, it's, it's going to be a very close race, I think. But I think the Mr. Basketball Award in the state of Michigan is a really good award to the uh, the best senior. This is the first time in the last, I can't remember, maybe five or six years where the award is going to go to somebody not going to Michigan and Michigan State. None of these guys are going to Michigan schools. I've talked about this before. Coaches, stop letting these players lead the state of Michigan. You got five candidates, five candidates for the Mr. Basketball Award in the state of Michigan. Not a single candidate is going to a Michigan school. I have a problem with that. I shouldn't be the only one that got a problem with that. Tyson Acuff should not be going to Duquesne. I'm sorry. Scooby Johnson should not be going to Butler. Jalen Terry should not be going to Oregon. How are we letting these guys lead the state of Michigan? It, it, it boggles me. Like, I do not understand why these coaches keep letting these Michigan players leave the state. When you got teams like Fair State who win Division II, the GLIAC, regular season, they whole roster full of Michigan guys. They whole roster. We got two JUCO programs ranked in the top in the country, Muskegon and Schoolcraft, Full of Michigan guys. You let We let these guys see the state of Michigan because some of you coaches ain't doing your homework. You're not grinding like you used to. You got comfortable. You got your nice little job, your nice little office. You got comfortable. You're not recruiting like you used to when you were just an up-and-comer, a guy like me that ain't doing much. When you were up-and-comer and you know all the AAU coaches and you know all the high school coaches and you're going to open gyms. See, back 10 years ago, it was harder to recruit. Because you didn't have social media. You didn't have highlights. You didn't have crossover. You didn't have huddle. You actually had to go to open gyms and see guys play. Nowadays, they can just send you highlights. You ain't got to move. You can recruit from your phone right now. Some of you guys need to get off your butts, start getting to these gyms, start recruiting these Michigan players because there's no reason why Tyson Acuff should not be playing in the state of Michigan for college. No reason. None. Zero. When I look at Central Michigan, they've won six league games in the MAC. When I look at all the MAC schools, all when I look at the MAC schools, the Ohio teams are dominating the MAC. The best team in the MAC is Bowling Green. Who's their best player? Justin Turner. You want to know where Justin Turner is from? Justin Turner is from Detroit, Michigan. He played for me at Detroit Renaissance. So don't act like we ain't got players in the state of Michigan. We do. Start recruiting them. You ain't recruiting them. And that's why they leaving and going elsewhere. Because it's like, I'm going to go mess with Charles Thomas at Duquesne because he's showing me love. He's sending me texts. He coming to my open gyms. He giving me phone calls. 
Whereas some of you head coaches ain't even giving none of these. You ain't even talking to them on the phone. They don't even know who you are. And I know I'm going into a long rant. This is my high school segment. I don't want to go into a long rant about why these Michigan schools are not recruiting Michigan players, but they're not. They should be. Rashad Williams shouldn't have to go to Cleveland State and then come back to Detroit and play at Oakland. He should have started at Oakland. He should have never left the state of Michigan. And it ain't just him. You also got Drew Louder. Drew Louder goes to Holy Cross. He shouldn't have to go to Holy Cross to come back to the state of Michigan. So I'm going to need my Michigan coaches to start recruiting these Michigan players a little bit harder because we got guys that can play. So that's my Mr. Basketball uh, segment portion. I want to talk about the state playoffs. We got the state playoffs coming up. Uh, my only issue right now with the state playoffs is that the championship is March 28th. Man, that's way too late. Like, girls, the girls' district started this week. The boys' district should have started at the same time. Now, I know it's it, you really can't do boys and girls at the same time. Really, the, the girls should have started last week, and the boys should have started this week. But there's no reason why the state championship for the MHSAA for boys is March 28th. It's too late because guys like me that coach AAU, now I got to figure out, am I going to go to the state championship or am I going to get my team ready for AAU? And it looks like I'm not going to be going to the state championship. It's March 28th. So the one thing that they're doing this year is a little bit different. They're seeding the playoffs. But they're not seeding the entire playoffs. They're seeding the districts. So what that means is instead of, so you got right now, you got Cass Tech and River Rouge in the same district. Sometimes when you, the district used to be a draw. So you just didn't know. You know what teams were in your district. You didn't find out who you were playing until you had that draw. So because it wasn't seeded. It's literally, you, you're picking teams out of a hat. So the best two teams in the district really could pick you out of a hat. And they playing Monday night, the first game. You got River Rouge and Cass. That don't make sense. But the one thing about the state playoffs and the MHSAA, they're trying to add a little change to it, but they ain't never going to change. Now they're seeding the district. That don't change much. If you put all the PSL teams together in one district, you just saying, all right, instead of Cass and King playing the first game, they're going to play on Friday. Like, it don't change much. If you really want to change how it's going on, see the entire playoffs. See the whole, do it like football. Do it like football. If you really want to seed it, but you're not seeding it, you're seeding a district. So you're really only seeding five teams. I just really don't like how they're doing that and how they think that's going to make a play because it still don't matter. The best teams are still in the same districts and they're going to play each other unless they host their own district. So in 1994, this was the last time this happened. Can you tell me what happened in 1994? In 1994, you had Detroit Murray Wright play Detroit Persian for the state championship game. Now, why is this key? The reason why this is key, because this was the last time two PSL schools played for the state championship game. Well, how did that happen? That meant that Detroit Persian went one route and Detroit Murray Wright went another route. Whereas in today's world, Detroit Murray Wright and Detroit Persian are in the same district even though they're the best two teams in the state. So you got River Rouge, who's ranked number one in the state right now, and you got Detroit Cass Tech, that's ranked number fifth or sixth in the state right now, in the same district. Like how? And why? Don't you want your best teams to play for the state championship game? They don't. 
They don't want the best teams to play for the state championship game because sometimes the state championship game, if it's the best teams, they come from areas like Detroit, Flint, and Saginaw, and the, the fans ain't really come. They ain't filling up the bowl. They want to fill up the bowl. They want to make sure UAD gets there. They want to make sure Clarkston gets there. They want to make sure teams like Howell get there because they're going to fill up the bowl. Detroit person ain't filling up the bowl. And I love my Doughboys, but it's not happening. If you have a state championship game, that Detroit person versus Detroit Cass, it ain't filling up the bowl. So that's what they want, and that's why you have all the Detroit teams in the same district playing each other. That's why you have all the teams in Saginaw playing each other. That's why you have all the good teams in Flint playing each other. Because, God forbid, two of the, two of the best teams in the state are from the same district. God forbid that happens. You don't want those two teams playing for the state championship, do you? No. So right now, the way it's set up, it's set up for certain teams to do well. That's how it's set up. It's set up for every part of the state to have a play in who is the state championship, even though we all know where the best teams are. They're right in the metro Detroit area. You've got a few teams out west that are good. A few teams, a few teams on the west side of the state, a couple teams up north that are good. But traditionally, primarily, the Division I MHSAA basketball championship will be won by a Metro Detroit area team. It will be. And it's harder now. You're never going to get that happen. So it happened in 1994 where you had Murray Wright playing person. It will never happen again. Because at that point, they said, we're not about to have two Detroit teams play for the state championship. We're not. We're not going to happen. It's not going to happen anymore. And that's exactly what it did. So that's how you got River Rouge and Cass Tech in the same district. Come on, man. How is that possible? How are you putting Cass and River Rouge in the same district? They're not even close to each other. Like River Rouge and Cass, it's like 25 miles from each other. Like to get to River Rouge from Cass, I got to get on two freeways. I got to take 75 to 94 to Southfield. Like, come on, man. Like. They're not even close. So how are they in the same district? How are they in the same district? They're 20 miles away from each other. How that work? Okay. So what I'm going to need, I'm going to need some administrators to say, you know what? I need my Detroit teams to get out. But the thing is now with the PSL is you only got but four good teams. You ain't got but four good teams. So your chances of getting a team to the state championship are, are slow or, or dwindle because you ain't got a whole lot of teams in the PSL, man. PSL is what? Straight up. We'll never coach in the PSL again. It won't happen. You can pay me enough to coach in the PSL again. The way that this administration is right. You you gave out a Mr. PSL award, a Miss PSL award to a junior. It's never been awarded to a junior before. Now, all of a sudden, are we just going to give it to a junior? Don't give him a trophy. You don't announce the first league team. Secondly, the PSL is a mess. I don't want no problems. I don't want... want, (laughs) Please do not call me about a PSL job. I'm a free agent, but I'm not coming to the PSL. That's cast included. It don't matter what school I ain't doing. I did it for seven years, eight years. Rather, I ain't doing it no more. So when it comes to the state playoffs, it's hard getting to the Breslin. It's hard getting to the Breslin because a team like cast tech, they got to go through River Rouge. And they out of their district and then in their region, they probably got to play King. Uh, UAD, like it just it's hard to get it from the Metro Detroit area, but it can be done. Hopefully, Steve Hall, 
uh, and Detroit Cass Tech can get past River Roots, but it's going to be tough. River Roots have gotten to the last last three uh, state uh, semifinals and state championship games, so they're they're able to get it done. There, but there's no reason for Cass and River Roots to be in the same district. It's not. And you got some more districts that are really good. Going to talk about that not this week, but next week. Uh, going into our state playoffs because I don't want to do a huge deep dive in the state playoffs because the girls are starting this week and there's only a few teams to talk about on the girl side. But on the boys side, there are a few teams to talk about, but I'm going to save that for next week. So uh, that's my high school segment for this week. I appreciate you guys for checking in live on me. This is how I get down on the podcast. I'm one take hove. This is how I do it. Ain't no cuts, ain't no edits. It's going to sound just like this on the podcast this week. I'm your coach that knows hoops the most in my car getting it in, and I'm going to holler at you, man. It's your coach that knows who's the most, and we back, baby. That was my high school segment. Had to start it off a little different for you guys and, and give you a nice little interview. I appreciate Coach Mark uh, for coming on the podcast and all of that. So, Getting right to it, man. We we got we gotta talk about college, man. We gotta talk about college. It's March Madness. Madness happens in March. And that's why they called it that. Because you never know who can be beat. You never know who's gonna get upset, especially when the tournament play starts and conference play starts. So right now you got regular season wrapping up for division one, division two. Has started in the GLIAC and the GLVC and other conferences across the country. Have already started their conference playoffs. The GLIAC started their conference playoffs tonight. And we already got an upset. First game, you got Ferris State, who's ranked number 10th in the country. They've only lost five games on the year. And they get popped the first game in the GLIAC playoffs. They lose to Northern Michigan. Northern Michigan ends them out 70 to 69. This is a team that averaged in the upper 80s, 90 points per game this year. So we've talked about Ferris before, and they're a team that they score a lot of points. And if you are able to slow them down somehow or try to beat them at their own game, then you can play with them. Uh, looking at the score, 70 to 69, it looks like Northern Michigan slowed them down. Uh, they were led. Ferris was led by Walt Kelser. He did his thing. He had 32, but nobody else helped him out, really. And for them to, to make a long run in March, they're not going to beat teams scoring in the 60s and 70s. They're going to have to score in the 80s and 90s. But to score in the 80s and 90s, you need three, four guys in double figures. You can't have one guy get 30 and another guy get 14 and a couple other guys score here and there. That's not going to get it. So Fair State gets popped first game in the GLIAC playoffs. That's great, man. This is why I love March. This is why I love March for situations like this. You get a team like Northern Michigan who came in as the AC. They barely crept into the playoffs, had a losing record coming into the playoffs, and they go to Ferris State, and they went at Ferris State to advance to the GLIAC semifinals. So, shouts out to the Wildcats. It's scary, man, when you start playing against some seniors. Sam Taylor had 21 points for Northern Michigan. When you're playing against some seniors, man, that sometimes some seniors don't want to lose. You know that, talk, that that clock is ticking, and you know it's almost time for your career to get wrapped up. You don't necessarily want to lose, man. This is one of those instances where Northern Michigan had a few seniors, and they was just like, man, we're not losing today. I don't care if we're playing affairs. We ain't losing today. And that's what Sam Taylor is a tough Chicago guard. He just said, we ain't losing today, man. We ain't losing today. And that's exactly what they did. They were able to beat Fair State 70-69. Grand Valley, Grand Valley, uh, who, who's just teetering 
outside the top 25. Uh, they beat Ashton. They beat Ashton 73 to 60. Uh, they had 20 assists on 26 made shots. That means that ball was moving, man. That's what that means. That means the ball was moving. Usually you have game goals for, you know, somewhere between 15 to 20 assists in college. In the NBA, it's a little bit different because, I mean, you're scoring over 100 points in the NBA in college. You know, you score 70, 75, 80. That's a pretty good uh, outcome, but you're only going to be making anywhere from 25 to 32 made, made attempts. Uh, and then that's if you're shooting the ball pretty well. But uh, that's exactly what Grand Valley did. They were moving the ball. And they had a lot of guys in double figures. A lot of guys. I, I want to say they had four or five guys in double figures. Jake Van Tuber, again, wasn't very effective in this game. Uh, but he, had, uh, he had like four or five assists. Uh, but he didn't He didn't get the scoring because this game is a back-to-the-basket, in-between-the-hashes kind of game. And for, for Grand Valley, I mean, they were just shooting the cover off the ball. They made 14 threes in the contest or 14 for 27 from three, which is like 52%. So if, when they're making shots like that, they're hard to beat. And Ashland, they just outside of their five guys uh, I, who I thought – uh, would be a little more inspired to play because you know when they lost their season was going to be over. They're not making the conference. I mean, they're not making the national tournament. The GLIAC normally gets two or three teams in. You'll get um, right now, Fair State and Grand Valley. They're going to get in the tournament, right? Whether they get an at-large bid or if they win out, they're going to the tournament. To get a third team from the GLIAC, that third team will have to be not named Grand Valley and not named Ferris, and they will have to win it. And that means you're winning it at Grand Valley, which gives you more points for that win as well. Does the GLIAC get three teams in the tournament? I'm not sure. Fair State losing to Northern Michigan is a very bad loss when it comes to the NCAA tournament because it's very similar to how the D1s do it. The D2 has regional rankings, and the top 10 teams in the region make it. And a lot of times, the GLVC teams, they get teams. The GMAC, they get teams. I'm talking about teams in the Midwest. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you're not getting more than three or four te GLIAC teams in the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be it's going to be a tough for to be more than two. I think they might be able to get three, but that's only if a team not named Grand Valley wins, wins out. So speaking of teams not named Grand Valley, you had Michigan Tech. They won tonight. They beat that one school I used to work at 75-56. That ball moves moving, man. Comoro damn near had a, a triple-double tonight. He had, they had 19 points, 12 rebounds, and 7 assists. I mean, the, the boy is a stud, man. He's a stud. You need to check out for him. Owen White, he had uh, 21 points for Tech. That ball was moving. They was making shots. When the ball is moving and they making shots in Michigan Tech, at Michigan Tech, you're not beating them. And that's what happened tonight. Northwood Norfolk gets a big win over Davenport. You would think that that's an upset, but actually Norfolk was the higher seed. Norfolk was the four seed. Davenport was the five seed. Davenport, really, I'm not quite sure what happened to the roster. Um, but it seems like the last month, uh, February was rough on Davenport. Fe February was rough. I thought that they would kind of make a run and stretch here. Uh, but it looks like their season is over. Jack Ammerman led all players with 26 points. Okay, I'm going to run back my Jack Ammerman take. They wanted me to recruit Jack Ammerman really hard. They did. And I just really, I knew he could shoot. And at the time, I know in our system, we already had the shooters. We already had the guards. So we really didn't need a shooter. We didn't. We needed a big. We needed a big. And to be recruiting another guard who could shoot, we just let a shooter just go to trying. We should have just kept him. Um, a, a guy by the name of Jake Daniels who was scoring 15 points a game for trying. Uh, 
basically just basically had him transfer. So if we needed a shooter, we would just kept him. But we didn't need a shooter. So, you know, everybody's like Jack Ammerman, Jack Ammerman, Jack Ammerman. And I'm like, all right, yeah, all right, but we need guys that can check at the time because we're giving up 80, 85 points per game. So why am I going to take a guard that's been playing zone all year that can't really check? But he can shoot. And he's showing everybody in the GLIAC that did not recruit him that he is one of the best shooters in the GLIAC. I mean, 26 points. He's 5 from 8 from 3. He's 7 and 8 from the free throw line. I mean, he put on a shooting clinic today against Davenport. And if he can shoot the ball like that, I mean, I don't know too many teams in the GLIAC that wouldn't want to recruit a guy like that. I just didn't think he could put up those kind of numbers. Uh, but if you're making four or five threes in a game, I mean, that's that's pretty damn good. And ain't a whole lot of players making four or five threes in a game. And the ones are are playing. They're playing 20, 25, 30 minutes per contest to be able to get those shots. And I suggest you coaches, if you got somebody that can shoot very well, get them shots. Stop getting guys who can't shoot the basketball shots. Get guys who can shoot the basketball, get them shots. Because when you look at, at, at Jack Emmerman, I mean, he only had uh, uh, 13 shots, but he had 26 points. So, I mean, the kid can flat out shoot. And I'm running it back, man. That's my bad. That's my bad. I probably should have recruited him. But we didn't need a guard that could do what he could do at the time. But he's proven everybody else wrong that didn't recruit him because he's having a really good year for Northwood. And he's right now, he's playing like a guy that's no longer a freshman. He's playing like a sophomore. Well, actually, I think he's, I think he's a sophomore. I think he's a sophomore. Whatever it is. No, he's a sophomore. Yeah. He's a sophomore. Uh, but he's playing, he's playing pretty well. He's playing pretty well. Uh, shooting the ball at a very high clip. So Northwood has a chance if they could continue to shoot the ball the way that they had. Jacavian Lewis had 15 points for Northwood. Uh, Chris Rollins had 20 points for Davenport, even though their season is over. So on Saturday, you have the semifinals all being played at Grand Valley, at Allendale. You got Michigan Tech playing Grand Valley, which is going to be a slug fest. I mean, the matchup between Jake Van Tubergen and Kyle Monroe is to be seen. So if you can't make it to Grand Valley, I would suggest you pull it up on ESPN3 or pull it up on the on the web link. I suggest you watch this game, especially high school recruits. I would like you high school recruits to go out and watch this game on Saturday and see if you can guard Kyle Monroe and see if you can guard Jake Van Tubergen. Both of them 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and they can do it all. And if you can't guard those two guys who Play the three or four position, and they play, and they play D one. So you they they play D two rather, and you might think you're a Division one prospect, a Division one player. Watch this matchup on Saturday, man. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a good one. Then you got Northern Michigan playing Northwood, two lower seeds. You got a fourth seed and an eighth seed uh, going up against each other, and one of those has to make the conference championship. So uh, two good games is gonna be happening on Saturday in Grand Valley. Might be worth the trip. Might be worth the trip to go up there and catch a couple games. Catch a couple games. So, uh, in the Gleag wasn't the only place we saw an upset. We also had Muskegon knock off Schoolcraft in the Michigan Junior College Association Athletic Association Championship this past weekend. Uh, they knocked off Schoolcraft. Schoolcraft was slated to win the whole state. But Muskegon came by and said, you know what? Hey, look, look here. We're ranked in the country, too. You're not the only team that's ranked. They're ranked number 11. Schoolcraft's ranked number 6 or top 10 or somewhere in, in between there. They said, excuse me, we can get it done, too. And that's exactly what they did, man. They got some players on this roster. And here's how I know when you got players on your roster that I am familiar with. Guys that play for me, guys that I've recruited, guys that I've been watching. 
when I start seeing familiar names, that's how I know your team is good. I'm just going to be quite honest. If I see some familiar names, if I don't see any familiar names and you're a Michigan team, then I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know none of these guys. I mean, they can't be that good if I don't know none of them. I've been recruiting the whole state for three years. I should know who the best players are. That's your job as a college coach to know who the players are, where they at, and where to go get them. I know where the players are. I know where to go get them. So when I look at your roster and I don't see anybody that's familiar, well, either you're going to be really good with guys from outside of the state of Michigan or you might just be really bad. But anyway, Muskegon knocked Schoolcraft off and... The national tournament for them starts this weekend. So they'll play the winner of Henry Ford and Mott Community College, uh, Schoolcraft will. And the, the way it's set up for JUCO Division II, you, you have your state championship and then you have your regional championship. So uh, the top two teams make it off to the, to the regional and then you slug it out again. And, you know, maybe this is exactly what Schoolcraft needed in order to make that route to get to the national championship. And, I mean, it's some very good basketball. Once you start talking about the national tournament, teams that make the national tournament, Division One and Division Two, are very good teams. That means you had to win your state or you had to win your region, one out of the two, if not both. And that is not easy to do. Uh, so hopefully this is the loss that Schoolcraft needed to get back on track. But I'm telling you like this, Muskegon got some players. Coaches, make sure you go see them. Albion. Albion gets upset in their tournament. So Albion has been running through uh, the MIAA the whole year. They get to their tournament and they lose to Trine. And the loss was so big for Albion because it stops them from getting in the national tournament. They didn't make the national tournament. I don't know how the D3 national tournament is uh, comprised, but for Albion to outright win the MIAA in, in outstanding fashion and not able to make the national tournament just because they did not win their conference tournament is kind of a shame. They should be playing in the national tournament. The MIAA should be good enough to get two teams in to the tournament, but apparently they don't. Apparently they don't. They don't get into the tournament, which is unfortunate because they've had a really good year. Um, so you wanted to see them get in, especially all the turmoil uh, that they, those players and coaches have been going through with the passing of Zach Winston. You would like to see them make the tournament because it's a feel-good story, how they just, just fought through and they just competed nightly. And they had a really good team, but their run comes short because they're not playing in the tournament. Madonna. Madonna wins the, the WAC. So the WAC is the Wolverine Hoosier Conference for the NAIA. All right, not, it's not NCAA, it's the NAIA. All right, so how, how it works, you got Division One, Division Two, Division Three. you got NAIA schools, okay? And I'm going to tell you like this. The NAIA is a very good way to play basketball. There are some very good players that play Division Three and NAIA. And the first guy I'm going to talk about, we've talked about him before, Dwight Burton. Dwight Burton has been dominating everybody who's been in. If he's not the national player of the year, there couldn't be five players better than Dwight Burton. I'm telling you right now it's averaging 24 points a game i mean they had five guys in double figures madonna did they beat cornerstone they had five guys in double figures you had a guy like henry spider the very first guy i offered uh when i was coaching college out of saginaw high school very good player he's just a big bruiser type of player played at mock community college but they got players man they got players and they got it done they were able to beat Cornerstone, who got 21-7 from Corey Ainsworth. And I thought Corey Ainsworth would be a very solid player in the GLIAC. 
This is what I'm saying. When I look at Rosses and I start singing names, these are guys I recruited. I saw this kid play four times in high school. And every time I saw him play, I mean, I'm like, man, he's efficient. I mean, that's he just scored 25 and 8. He just scored 26 and 12. Saw him again. He scores uh, 19 and gets uh, 13 rebounds and doesn't miss a layup. Like, I'm looking like we don't have a big that can do that right now. So why wouldn't I recruit a guy that doesn't miss a layup, doesn't miss a free throw? Like that's to me, that's a no brainer. Now, it, would he have came in and been a dominant force in the league? No. But at some point, you have to develop players. And that's what a lot of college coaches are not doing now. They want you to come in and be a stud, first team all league right away and do it for four years. Well, sometimes you might have to get a guy like Jack Ammerman, you know, even I'm going to go back to it, and you might have to develop his game a little bit. You might have to put him in the lab. That's what you might. That's how you got to get some of these players. And uh, some just because they don't have a whole lot of schools, don't mean they can't play. This kid Corey Ainsworth can play. Plays at Cornerstone, and he's gonna have a really good career at Cornerstone uh, if he keeps this up. So he had twenty-one and seven in the loss. Adrian wins the MIAA. I know I talked about the MIAA before. They beat trying. So Adrian will be playing in the D three national tournament, and Madonna will be playing in the NAIA national tournament. So watch out for those teams. Now, let's get to the big stuff, baby. So let's get to the big bucks. You know I like talking about small college basketball because nobody else is. And why not somebody that coached at that level to talk about it? And that's what I like to do on my podcast. If you don't like it, skip through it because I know you want to hear me talk about the Big Ten because I am going to talk about the Big Ten. One of the best conferences in the country. I've been saying it all year long. I don't know if you've been listening to a different podcast, but if you've been listening to this podcast, I've been telling you for over a month or so that the Big Ten is the best conference in the country. And they got eight or nine teams ranked in the top 25. They say that they're going to get 10 teams into the tournament. I don't see 10 teams. I mean, that just would be tough. That means almost a quarter of your field is Big Ten teams. You get 64 teams. You got four that's playing in. That's 68. So you want to tell me a sixth you know, one six, which is like 16%, almost 15% of your tournament is Big Ten teams. And I just, I, I'm not sure that they get 10 teams. I, I think they're getting eight. And if I'm one of those teams that's seven, eight, nine, or 10 in that bubble, uh, you better have a good showing in a tournament. Because if you don't have a good showing in a tournament, it's not going to happen for you. So let's talk about tonight. So we had some games tonight's Tuesday. You had Michigan State playing at Penn State, and it was a big win for Michigan State. Penn State, they start out uh, making a run. The last four or five games has been really good for them. Now they're ranked in the country. I think they were ranked 18th at the time when they were playing, and it was a huge win for MSU. Whenever you could get a road win in the Big Ten, especially now when there's only like three or four games left, because it could take you. It basically took Michigan State out of the middle of the pack, out of that like second tier in the Big Ten now, puts them in the top tier. They put them at one or two in the conference, which can kind of catapult them if they if they have a good run in the Big Ten tournament. I can see them getting the two seed. I can see them getting the three seed. I don't see them getting the one seed because they're not top tier in the country. But I could definitely see them getting the two seed and maybe playing in the Midwest or getting the two seed and maybe playing in the South. Uh, but I don't see they're not getting a one seed. They're not getting a one. They could, I think they'll be at a two level when it's all said and done. But they went at Penn State. Uh, uh, Xavier Tillman had 23 points and 15 rebounded and only shot one three. I mean, he dominated inside. And Xavier Tillman can dominate inside like that. Michigan State is a tough team to beat, man. They're a tough team to beat 
if he could dominate inside. You had Rocket Watts who had 18. You had Cassis who had 14 and 7. And he gets into it with Izzo. You can just tell the passion that these two people have. Izzo is a very passionate coach. Cassis Winston is a very passionate player. And they're getting into it. They're going at it. And that's what happens when you have a player that you can trust. When you have a coach that trusts in your game and what you do for a team, that is going to happen. So don't be surprised. And it, that Izzo did it again. He did it last year when he got into it with, with Henry. Now he gets into it with Cassius Winston. That's just their passion, man. I love it. I love to see the passion. I like the fact that they can go back and forth and have that interaction and still be able to win the game and still be able to compete because some people shut down in those moments. Some coaches shut down in those moments. Oh, go get him out the game and all this kind of stuff when we're just trying to win a world game. I mean, that's basically what we're trying to do. And we're going to do whatever it takes to win that world game. And that's exactly what happened for Michigan State. They won tonight uh, 79 to 70. And I've been saying for a while for Michigan State to be very good in March. They got to score in the high 70s. They got to score in the high 70s, low 80s. If they score in the 60s, they lose in the game. They losing if they score in the 60s. They need to be in the high 70s, low 80s. I've been saying this for a while. I'm going to keep saying it. Their last four games, they had 79 points, 78 points, 78 points, and 86 points. And you want to know what they did those last four games? They won all four of them. That fifth game, they scored 60 and lost. So that's the blueprint for Michigan State. So if you're watching Michigan State and it's five or six minutes to go in the game and they got like 45, 50 points, guaranteed if they don't score 20 points, they ain't winning the game. All right, if they don't score in the 70s, they ain't winning. So I liked, I liked how Michigan State played at Penn State. And they go back and they win at Maryland. I mean, those was two huge games for Michigan State. And it should catapult them into March into Big Ten play. I wouldn't be one to play Michigan State right now, especially the way Rocket Watts is playing. And I'm going to talk about him as one of my flame five guys to watch in college basketball uh, in March or for the next week or two going into conference playoffs. He's been shooting the ball pretty well. But Michigan State, man, Michigan State, they're, they're scary now. They're getting around that time when they, they know it's March and it's time to get an in. That's exactly what they're doing. Rutgers is legit. Newsflash. Rutgers is legit. Okay. Rutgers is legit. I know it, you don't you don't recall ever Rutgers being legit, but they are this year. Uh, they've had 18 wins at home. They can't win on the road, but they definitely can win at home. And they just beat tonight. They beat Maryland 78 to 69. And it's one of those wins that it lets you know that, yeah, we here. We here. We here, y'all. Hey, Big Ten, we here. Now, I didn't think that they would be able to do that against the other teams in the Big Ten, against the Maryland's, the Michigan States. But they have, man. Rutgers is legit, man. You don't want to play them at home. The only thing about that is the conference tournament ain't played at Rutgers. So they're going to have to find a way to win on a neutral floor and to win on the road. Uh, but they're legit. So if they are a team that they'll probably get. I'm not, I haven't looked at any bracket busters or anything. So when I tell you about where I think a team might be seated, just know that I'm just going off the cuff. Right. There will be a time where I will go and look at where teams are slated last four in, last four out. No, no, no. That's not how I do this. I'm going off of just my basketball mind. I think Rutgers would probably be like a six or seven seed. You know, one of those, maybe a fifth seed to play a five twelve matchup. 
uh, with a with a mid-major school on the rise. So maybe like a Butler or Xavier or something like that, because uh, they like to give some of those lower tier or not even lower tier, those mid-major teams. Like they like to give them the 12th seed so they can for March Madness reasons so they can beat the fifth seed. And it looks like an upset when really the 12th seed was the better team. But I think that they get you know slotted somewhere in there in March, depending on how they do in the Big Ten tournament. But Rutgers is legit, people. Rutgers is legit. I'm not gonna put my whole mortgage on them, especially in them playing on the road or on the neutral court. I won't. But they're legit. I mean, they just beat they beat the brakes off of Maryland. They were showing out threes, dunks. I mean, Ron Harper Jr. was doing his thing. Maryland. So Maryland. Not only do they lose to Michigan State at home, they lose to Rutgers on the road. They're gonna have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure it out right now. Today, they were ranked number nine. But after this loss, they're probably going to drop out of the top 15. They're probably going to be like ranked like 18, 19 next week. And they got to figure it out before the tournament comes because you want to be playing your best basketball. And right now, their best basketball was played early in the year. So they got to figure it out, see what they're going to do. You also have Purdue win on the road. Purdue goes in and wins at Iowa. Iowa is one of those teams that is in the pack, in the mix, in the Big Ten. Purdue, they're only 16 and 14 in the year, so they're going to need to have some rem- remarkable things happen uh, for them to make the, the NCAA tournament. I think they'll be all those teams that, will, that won't make it in. They're like that ninth or 10th team that people think are going to get in. They not getting in. I'm telling you right now, they only getting eight. Eric Hunter Jr. out of Indiana was outstanding for them. He had 19. I like to see Trey Williams starting now. So Travion Williams is from Detroit, plays at Butler, 6'9 kid. Uh, I like to see that he's starting now and not coming on the bench. Iowa was led by Luke Garza. Luke Garza had 26 and 12, but he had no help. He had no help. I mean, the guards go 10 for uh, 31 from three. You're going to have to do better than that, man. You're going to have to do better than that if you want to win in March. And that, and I don't care if you're at the home or road. You need more than just one player, even though that one player is really good, to get it done. Other notable things I want to talk about Division One-wise, NCAA. Kansas, man. Kansas is legit. I'm not a huge – I've never been a huge Kansas fan. But after them watching them play Baylor and beating Baylor – and the way Azabuke was just dominating inside, I guess that's how you say his name, Azabuke, or however it is, the 6'11 kid was just a monster. He was getting dunks, alley-oops. I mean, he just acted a fool on Bayer. I think he had like 28 and 12 or something. He acted a fool. And if he keeps acting a fool like that, they're going to be a team that gets a one seed that you, if they get put in the right region, so they'll probably go south. They'll probably host the region and... You could possibly see them in Atlanta. You could possibly see Kansas in Atlanta, especially if it's set up for them. Because if you ain't got a big that could box him out and, and and guard ball screens and do it that he can do, man, he if he dominates like that, they'll be in Georgia. They, I'm, I'm not booking it. I ain't looked at no brackets yet. I ain't booking it. All right, so don't go say Coach Cam, you told me to put all my money on Kansas. Nuh-uh. No, I did not. Because Bill Self will, will drop one when he ain't supposed to. Uh, they'll lose to a Stephen Austin, a Stephen F. Austin, or something like that. Um, but yeah, so Baylor, uh, at the time, they won 21 straight games until they run into Kansas at home, and Kansas comes in and smacks them, and then they they get smacked again by TCU, and then now two of the last three games they've they've lost, they've lost two of their last three games. So what is what is Baylor gonna do now? Is is Baylor are they really for real? Are they really for real? Sometimes you need losses to set you straight, right? Either you got the big head and you think you're the shit, uh, excuse my French, um, 
And you need somebody to kind of bring you back down to earth. You need a couple of those losses. It's just that you don't want to start making a bunch of them. You don't want to, you don't want it to be three or four. You want to learn a lesson once or twice, and then you get to your conference tournament and try to get to the championship game, and then, you know, compete for uh, a one seed. But losing two out of three games doesn't look good for them as far as trying to get a one seed. I don't see both Baylor and Kansas get one seed. I probably see Baylor getting the two seed now. After watching that matchup, I just don't think Baylor is one seed capital. So uh, <clears throat> the Big Ten, we've talked about the Big Ten not getting 10 teams in. I think they get eight or nine. And I don't even think they get eight, nine. I think they get eight teams into the tournament. Uh, so, so look out for that. The team you want to watch, though, you want to watch out for the Dayton Flyers and OB Toppin. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, OB. That guy is a stud. My brother's trying to tell me he's the number one pick in the draft. I'm still going with Lonzo Ball, uh, LaMelo Ball as being the number one pick, but that's just me. Uh, but the boy, the boy is whoo wee, man. He's athletic. He's long. He play, he reminds me of an Amari Stoudemire. Go back and watch Amari Stoudemire with the Phoenix Suns and Steve Nash. That is OB Toppin right now, and he's playing at a very high level. But they got some other players on this team. The Dayton Flyers. If they're not a one or two seed in the tournament, if they're a three seed, I'd be surprised if they're a three seed. They're probably going to be a two seed in the tournament, but they are good, man. They are good, so watch out for the Flyers. Seton Hall. Seton Hall is a team that's starting to get creep up the rankings a little bit. They've won three out of their last four games. Uh, I'm sorry, they've won three straight. Uh, Miles Powell's averaging 22 points per game. He's already scored 2,000 for his career. It's hard enough scoring 1,000. My man has scored 2,000, right? And you'll see you'll see how legit they are this weekend. So their next two games, they got Villanova, who's ranked, and they have Creighton, who's ranked. And those games should be huge for Seton Hall going forward. So pay attention to that. That's definitely a team and a player you want to be paying attention to. So I'm going to bring back one of my segments that I like to do, the Flame Five. The Flame Five is a segment I like to do. I do different Flame Five. So I do Flame Five high school players to watch. I do the Flame Five D2 unsigned player. I do the Flame Five, whatever, whatever. So this week, we'll talk about the Flame Five. Talk about the Flame Five players to watch in March. As you're going through March Madness, as you're watching conference tournaments, as you're watching the NCAA tournament, these are five guys you want to watch. I'm not going to do a huge deep dive into the guys. Some of these guys I've already mentioned on this podcast, even in this episode. But I want to re-say them again so you can be like, oh, yeah, let me check out this Iowa game and see what this Luke Garza guy is about. And speaking of Luke Garza, that's my number one guy or the first guy on our list, my Flame 5 college guys to watch in March. Number one, Luke Garza, Iowa. He just gets it done. He flats out, gets it done, inside and out, in the post, in the three. I mean, if he doesn't average uh, in, in the 20s, he ain't getting 20 points per game for Iowa. They ain't winning. All right, you can see he had, uh, they played tonight. He had 26 and 12, and they lost because nobody else could give them nothing. I mean, he's the show. He's the show for the Iowa Hawkeyes, so make sure you watch him. Two on my list is just a freshman. He's starting to play like a sophomore. He's starting to, to find a way about this thing. He's playing with a little bit of swagger. And his name is Rocket Watts, Michigan State. Mark Rocket Watts. It's the reason why Michigan State can now score in the high 70s, low 80s, because they have another guard who can make shots. 
if they don't have that guard who can make shots in the Rocket Watts, it's hard for them to score 70 points. If he's getting 14, 15, 16 a game, now they're able to be able to score to score more. They got to play faster. I've been talking about Michigan State all year playing faster, and now they are, especially with Rocket Watts uh, from Detroit. Uh, played at Spire last year uh, with LaMelo Ball. And, I mean, he's just a stud, man. He can shoot the basketball, one of the things he does well, particularly off the dribble and in transition. Number three on my watch, uh, a guy has been getting it done all year, Anthony Edwards. The only, and the reason why I'm telling you to go watch Anthony Edwards for Georgia, because he has a potential to be a top five pick in the draft. <coughs> Excuse me. Not only that, but Georgia's only 16 and 14. They would need something remarkable to happen. And it's March, and remarkable happens in March. He might go off for 40, 51 game. And you might be watching like, this Anthony Edwards dude is serious, right? He is serious. Go and watch him. His last four games, 26, 36, 19, and 28. And they're 3-1 and one those last four games. And if he continues that, he might be one of those guys that gets hot in March and just takes them all the way to the tournament by winning the SEC, which will be tough because you will have to beat Kentucky. You will have to beat Alabama. You will have to beat uh, Tennessee, who's rolling right now, who just won at Kentucky. I mean, it's some good teams in the SEC. Uh, but go watch Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Okay. Four on my list. I've already talked about them. Miles Pop of Seton Hall. So watch Seton Hall in the Big East tournament. I'm telling you, he's a lefty guard, and he just gets buckets. He's a poor man's James Harden. He's a poor man's James Harden. I'm telling you right. He just flat out gets buckets. And ain't nothing you can do about it either. He's flat out bucket getter. And number five on my list is Obi Toppin out of Dayton. So go watch Dayton, man. Obi is Obi's a real deal. He'll be a top five pick. I don't think he'll be number one like my brother's trying to tell me he will. I think he's a top five pick, though. So, yeah, man, that's my Marsh Madness breakdown uh, for the week. Gave you some insight on the Big Ten because the Big Ten is huge. Chose not to talk about the Horizon and Mac League because nothing's changed. The Ohio teams are just are dominating the Mac, and the Horizon League just isn't a very good league. So they're only getting one. Both of those both of those conferences are only getting one team to the tournament. So I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on on maybe two teams in the tournament. I want to talk about the Big Ten as getting eight to ten teams to give you a little bit more insight. Uh, going forward, you start picking your brackets, and you're like, oh, Penn State. Coach Cam talked about that team. They got those two players, you know, Stevens, another guard that's pretty good. They might have a chance in a, in a, in a low-level matchup. But, you know, that's my March Madness breakdown, man. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about real briefly, not a whole lot. Uh, the transfer portal. So you got Drew Louder, who's into the transfer portal. He was at Holy Cross, should have never ended up at Holy Cross. And we keep getting these Michigan guys leaving the state, man. Recruit these Michigan guys, coaches. Recruit these Michigan guys, coaches. Recruit these Michigan guys, coaches. Like I said in my Mr. Basketball take. Not going to go through that take again. Recruit these guys. Because Drew Louder, there's no reason why Drew Louder should be visiting Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan. He should already have been at one of those schools, particularly you know, Eastern, because it's right down the street, because he went to one of the Ann Arbor schools. I think it's Ann Arbor Pioneer he played at. So he should have left the city of Ypsilanti. But the transfer portal, uh, this is the time of the year where kids go on the transfer portal. And if you're not familiar with what the transfer portal is, it's a place where players can decide to transfer. They don't have to let anybody know. They don't have to let your your their head coach know. Just one, if they end up on the portal, you look. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. If they ask for your release, you have to get you have to grant it to them now. Uh, and it's just a free for all for guys for transferring. 
Uh, so now you got some guys that are, are going to uh, entertain that. But things they're looking at a one-time waiver that they're going to put in next year where they say, well, you can transfer one time and not have to sit to be immediately eligible. And that's going to change the game for a lot of people. But even though there are a lot of qualifications for it, you got to have a four point. I don't have a four point but you got to have good grades. You got to be eligible at the school that you're transferring from. You got to have a correct number of credits. You have to have good academic standing. Um, it's a lot of, of requirements for it. Uh, but if you reply, if you if you make those requirements uh, that you're able to transfer for one time and not have to sit. So that's going to change the game for a lot of college programs, particularly at the mid-major level, because they're already pulling mid-major guys to go higher major now. And it's just it's just going to be a trickle down effect. You can have guys transferring all over the place. And hopefully that's not the case. So you got a lot of people ending up on this transfer portal now. Uh, you look at Fair State. I'm not sure if some of those struggles that they're having um, are related to one of their players being on a transfer portal. All right. One of their uh, top players from the year, Jalen McFadden, ends up on the transfer portal. Is that a distraction uh, on the team? So uh, when you put yourself on the portal, uh, it, it, like I said, sometimes it is a distraction to the current team that you're at. And sometimes coaches, they, they look for guys on this transfer portal. You got a guy that's, that's transferring and looking for a new school, and you really want to deep dive what really happened at the last school. You know, there aren't a lot of coaches that, that like transfers when you come to think about it. Like, how many of the main guys on your favorite basketball team is a transfer? Now, I'm not talking about a JUCO transfer guy going from JUCO to a two-year school or four-year school. I'm also not talking about a guy going from a Division One school to a Division Two school. I'm talking about a guy that goes from one level to the next at the same level and still having success. When you look at Rashad Williams, I'll give you an example. Rashad Williams, he, Rashad Williams was averaging 11 points per game at Cleveland State. Now he's averaging a lot of, around 20, 21 points per game. But the only thing, Detroit is not a very good, Oakland is not a very good team right now. So they needed, they needed him to come in and to put up a lot of shots and to score, score, try to score a lot of points. That wasn't his role for Cleveland State, even though it probably should have been. But he's an example of a guy that goes about the same level. But those kind of stories don't happen a lot. When you see a guy go from one school to the next, they don't happen all the time. So even though this transfer portal, these guys want to transfer and do things in the store, your favorite basketball player did not transfer. He went to the school he was recruited by. He went to the school he committed to. It's not a transfer. So stop looking to transfer. If you're having some troubles at a school, stop looking to transfer. Get it done. Get in the gym. Get in the lab. Come see me. Right. You shouldn't have to transfer. Now, I know there are circumstances where you might get into it with the coach and they have different beliefs that you don't believe in. And, you know, I get it. But you're not seeing a whole lot of success from guys who transfer. I'm just going to be quite honest to all of my players out there. So if you're really looking to transfer, it's going to be tough for you. It's going to be tough for you. But I know coaches get fired and people that recruited you are no longer at the school and you're. You know, those kind of situations are different. I get it. When, what I'm telling you is this. It ain't a whole lot of all-league guys that were transfers. It ain't. 
It's guys that's been there, guys that know the league, guys that have been recruited by some really good coaches. They transfers. Jake Van Tubergen was not a transfer. Kyle Monroe was not a transfer. Walt Keltzer was not a transfer. He went from a junior college to a D2. Those guys aren't transfers. Just look at the Big Ten. Rocket Watts ain't a transfer. Cassius Winston, not a transfer. Xavier Tillman, not a transfer. So, like, it ain't a whole lot of trans guys that transfer like, oh, yeah, he used to be at this one school. You have a few instances not like that, but not a lot. So I'm interested to see how this one-time waiver form, how it affects college basketball, because it will affect college basketball at some level. I'm just not sure what level it will. So we got March Madness popping off. It's going to be a lot of games. Uh, coming up, I can't wait for championship week because I'm going to be glued to my phone and to the TV watching a lot of basketball because that's exactly what we doing here, man. We talking hoops. It's your coach that knows hoops the most, and I'm going to holler at you on this segment, man. See you later, alligator after a while, crocodile. Well, it's your coach that knows who's the most. That was my college take. Had a, had a lot of information and a lot of things to talk about on the college basketball end because that is what it is right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is March Madness. It's my favorite time of the year. I know I'm not the only person that feels that way. So I love talking about college basketball when it comes to March because this is a lot of basketball to talk about. So now we're going to get to the NBA. And I figure since I'm stuck in traffic, since it's taking me a while to get to work this morning because they didn't shut down 75 and I don't know how to get to work without 75 but I'm gonna figure it out which means I'm gonna be stuck in traffic a little bit which means I'm gonna give you the rest of this podcast so that means I need to talk about the NBA and don't don't look too soon but the Houston Rockets and their small ball is doing all right they've worked their way up to the fourth seed in the west and when you think about the Rockets and the small ball lineup, it's really not anything new. It's just new because they deliberately said, you know, Clint Capella, you, we gonna we gonna let you get we gonna get you get up out of here. They deliberately said we're gonna play two fours. PJ Tucker and uh, Robert Covington. We're gonna play two fours. We're not playing a five deliberately. But when you look at Golden State, Golden State didn't have a true big when they went on their run. When they had Steph and Clay and Draymond and KD, like they had Draymond at the five sometimes. So like this isn't the first time recently that we've seen this small ball lineup and we've seen it be effective. I was on the podcast to let you guys know that I did not think that it was going to be effective. I didn't think that it was going to work. However, this Russell Westbrook that's been playing recently, this is the Westbrook we was getting in OKC. This is MVP-esque Westbrook. I mean, he is he is balling, man. I watched the game when they played the Celtics. I think he had 42 points in the contest. And they had no answer for Russell Westbrook. And that's the thing about the Rockets. One day it might be Harden that gets you. The next day, it's Westbrook that kills you. And when I say kills you, I'm talking 30, 35, 40 points. I mean, they really letting you have it, right? Well... In the playoffs, when you play in seven games, that's dangerous. When you got two studs, they got two of the best, they got two of the top 10 players in the National Basketball Association, in NBA. So that's gonna be hard to stop for seven games. And when Westbrook is going, I mean, the Rockets look good when Westbrook is going. So 
right now they're they're number four. They're number four seed in the West, and I would I would that's scary, man. That's scary for Houston to be a number four seed. They still only a couple games out of the second or third spot, so you never know what they might do. Me personally, I don't think it's going to work in the playoffs, but the way they've been playing recently and they've been beating some good teams, it's looking like it can work, especially if Westbrook is playing at a high level. So is it, can you really call it small ball? You can't because other teams are doing it. Like Jalen Rose said on this podcast, it really points out to the fact that the bigs in the NBA, like, where you at? Where you at? Like, I... Come on, man. Like, you can't let all these teams play small ball. You got guys in 6'9", 6'10". In the game where the Celtics played the Rockets, that was the only game in NBA history. Well, I would say NBA history. But in recent history, where you did have a guy start the game that wasn't 6'9", or taller. Everybody on the floor was 6'8", or smaller. So, we got to get the bigs back in the game. Got to get the bigs back in the game. I need guys like Joel Embiid. Uh, Car Anthony Towns, Jokic, to say, damn the threes, and let's bang it inside. And that's why Zion Williamson has been so effective, because he gets it done inside. And we're going to talk about the big homie Zion here in a minute. But, so yeah, that's that's just Houston Rockets, man. Houston Rockets that have been on the road. They've been playing well recently. I didn't think small ball was going to work, but it's working so far. We'll see how it gets done in the playoffs. Now, let's talk about Zion. I was going to save it for a little bit. While we're here, might as well talk about it. Zion Williamson. Now, I like how ESPN is just making up stats for Zion to be good at. So, say this is the 10th game in a row where he scored 21 in a row. Well, if a guy is averaging 24, of course he's going to keep scoring 20 in a row. So, they're kind of trying to make a narrative that Zion is just the beast of the best player in the NBA. Let's cool on that because LeBron said, hold on, I'm going to have a 30-point triple-double and I'm going to have 40 on you and I'll let you know who's the best player in the game. And it, the name don't start with a Z, it starts with an L. It's LeBron James in my 17th year. Let, holla at me. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what he is doing. But Zion, man, Zion has been on a tear. He's been on a tear, and they're trying to get it to where you can vote Zion for the rookie of the year. He's not going to be rookie of the year, man. Even though it's 20 games left, he's only played 15. He would have played less than a full season of basketball. He would have played 35, 36, 37 games. That's not even half a season. Half a season is 40 games. Now, had he had been in the 40 game range, 42, 43, maybe even 45 game range uh, for this season, I think he would have had a chance to win the MVP, not the MVP, but the rookie of the year. But he didn't play 40 games. He's not going to play 40 games. He's going to play less than 40 games, which means you have to give the rookie of the year to John Moran, who's also having a phenomenal season. He's going to make sure Memphis gets into the playoffs. And you got to give it to John, man. John is a generational talent. He's a generational guard. He's going to be a superstar in the NBA. So you might as well give him his flowers now. Give him the rookie of the year because he's a superstar. But you can't give it to Zion because Zion ain't played enough games. But I'll tell you this. The reason why, and I touched on it earlier, the reason why Zion can be so effective in the NBA, because bigs don't want to post. 
And beings don't want to post. They don't want to guard the post. So they don't want to have to guard Zion on the inside. So he getting layups. He get dunks. He get alley-oops. Like, it's, he ain't got to work too hard. And on the top of that, Alvin Gentry is moving him around the floor. He getting touched at the elbow. He's getting touches in the mid-hash. He's getting touches on the wing. Pick and roll. Pick and pop. Maybe four or three here and there. He's getting downhill in transition. Like... Gentry is doing an outstanding job of making sure Zion gets the proper touches for the team to be effective. And the Pelicans, they will get the eighth seed. I'm telling you right now, the Pelicans are going to get the eighth seed. They're going to play the Lakers in the first round, and that's going to be must-see TV, even though the Pelicans won't win a game. They won't win a game. If they do win a game, it's game three, and they're playing at home. And then the Lakers win game four and then win game five and the series is over four to one. But I can see the Pelicans giving the Lakers a few little bit of problems because if, if LeBron don't get 40 the other night, they don't beat him. And they didn't play them twice in a week. If LeBron doesn't get a 30-point triple-double, they don't beat them. So you're going to have to have high-level all-star LeBron to beat them. Can he do it in the seven games? Yes, he can. And he will. So the Pelicans will get the eighth seed in the playoffs, and they will play the Lakers. So just book that. Just book it right now. Book it like T. Washington that the Pelicans get the eighth seed, and they play LeBron and them in the first round. So another team I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Miami Heat. So the Miami Heat, they, they low-key got a roster full of guys that can get it done. They got athletes, they got players, they got shooters. And I was able to watch them play the other night when they played uh, against the Bucks, And they were the first team to kind of slow down Giannis. Giannis only had 13 points in the, in the contest and they've only, they, they shut him down. But they got they got Jimmy Butler, they got Bam Adebayo, they got uh, Iggy Iggy on the on the trip. Like they got a guy, they got athletes, long, athletic, that could get it done. And not to mention, they got Jay Crowder too. So you got four guys, four guys that's six seven, six eight, six nine that are athletic that can move and can possibly shut down the Bucks. And this potentially could be a matchup that we could see in the first round of the East NBA playoff matchup. Uh, I think like Miami would be like a six seed. Well, no, Miami come in at an eight, uh, seven or eight seed and the Bucks be one or two. But, you know, potentially a, a matchup we could see in the first or second round. And I wouldn't want to play Miami, man. Miami got players. This is how I know Miami got players. They're bringing Gordon Drogic off the bench. He has been a perennial starter for them for the last four or five seasons. They're bringing him off the bench, and he's still just as effective as anybody that they're starting. And you got guys like Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Big Bam that's doing the inside out. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's going to turn it up. Jimmy Butler has not had a superstar level stat line this season. You want to know why? Because they're built like a team like the 2004 Pistons were built. They're built with four or five guys that can get 14 to 16 points per game and will shut you down defensively when it comes down to it. And I saw them guys just shut down the Bucks. Eric Bledsoe couldn't get a good look. Giannis had trouble getting to the rim. 
And if you can if you can prevent him from getting in the paint and getting dunks and getting layups and say, hey, look, you're going to have to beat us with your jump shot. Yeah, I mean, if you can keep the Greek Freak out the paint, you're winning. Now, if you let the Greek Freak get dunks and get layups and get to the rim, you ain't winning. But if you keep him on the perimeter and have to beat you, you have a very good chance of getting that done. And that's exactly what the Miami Heat did. So it was a, it was a pleasure to watch that game, to watch Miami beat them. Because that was just their only, their, their ninth loss on the season. And say the Bucks don't lose another game, they'll break the record. They'll break the 7-3-9, even though I don't think they will do it. Because that's just a feat that not a lot of people do, not a lot of teams do. But even when Golden State did it and they focused on getting 7-3-9, and nine, that was the year they didn't win the title. And I think they will swap getting the NBA title over breaking the record that the Bulls set in 96 of having the best record. I think they will swap and say, you know what? I would rather have an NBA championship than having the best record ever in the NBA because now they're going to say that we flops. So... LeBron, man, let's talk about LeBron in the 17th season and the Lakers. He hasn't done a whole lot of load management lately. He's only he's only sat a couple games. But every game where you see Zion, he's suiting up. You notice that, right? He only rests against the Pelicans. He makes sure he's playing, and he's playing at a high level. Dropping 40, dropping a 30-point triple-double. Like, come on, man. What has gotten into LeBron? And I had somebody at my job tell me, you know what, what's gotten into LeBron? Kobe. And I'm like, what do you mean, Kobe? He said, the spirit of Kobe is living in LeBron right now. So LeBron right now, he hitting, he hitting, he got his back to the basket. He hitting fadeaways. Like, he getting to the rim. Like, he hitting threes. He doing stuff he don't normally do. I mean, the game winner, he hit from the right elbow where he just backed his defender down and did a right-handed fadeaway. Like, that's like, like, LeBron don't do stuff like that. Since when he start posting up, dog. I told LeBron, well, I was I told LeBron because he ain't like my dog or nothing like that. But I said LeBron should have been playing with his back to the basket years ago. LeBron playing with his back to the basket adds years to his career. And he too busy trying to be the point guard. So the Lakers will have to figure that out. But LeBron has been going crazy, man. The 17th season, he's having an MVP-like season. Even though they're going to give the MVP to the Greek freak, they are trying their hardest to make sure some people vote for LeBron. And LeBron is a much bigger athlete than a Greek freak. And I wouldn't be surprised if people vote for LeBron before they vote for the Greek freak. And it's crazy because the Greek freak is averaging 30 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, and 7 assists. Like, how is that not MVP worthy? Only because your name ain't LeBron James. It ain't Clint worthy. It ain't the best player in the NBA. That's why. But LeBron has been playing at a super high level. And he's he's going to steal some votes for the MVP. So, we've talked about Miami being dangerous. also want to talk about, you know, uh, the West and the East coming down here in the stretch. Teams three through seven in the West and East are only three or four games divided between both. So you're going to see some matchups. You're going to see some games come down to the wire. And in, in both conferences, both conferences, you'll have anybody that can be ranked that can get the three seed between the seven seed. The eighth seed, you got a couple of those teams that are battling it out. I would like to see Memphis 
or uh, the Pelicans get that seventh or eighth seed because we got to have one of them young boys in the playoffs, man. We got to either have John Moran or Zion Williamson in the playoffs, even though the Pelicans just lost to the Spurs last night, and that was a bad loss for them. But they're a young team. They're still trying to figure it out. But I would like to see Zion or John Morant in the playoffs because, you know, the playoffs are about big matchups. They're about big-time players, and I would like to see that happen. So uh, going forward in this last playoff stretch, watch the action between the three seed, between the three and the seven, and both the East and the West, and you're going to see a lot of good basketball play. An injury might hurt some players and some slotting and things of that sort, but I'm here for it all, man. I'm here for it all. It's March Madness, baby. It's March. We're going to talk about hoops. We're talk about NBA and college and all that. I'm your coach that knows who's the most, and you already know what it is. So that's it, man. This, this week is a wrap episode 11. Player smooth like Isaiah. Shouts out to Coach Mark for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate Coach Mark for coming out and giving us a deep dive, uh, talking about reach. Um, you know, we got the playoffs popping off of college basketball conference play started. A long episode, man. Two hours, man. If you got to this point in the episode, trust me, I tell you all the time, I rock with you. I appreciate you coming back week after week. I know it's only about 45 people that actually really listen to this podcast, but it's some people, they waiting on it every week, man, and I'm going to keep giving you that content until I got zero listeners. As long as somebody listening, I'm going to put it out there. So it's your coach that knows hoops the most, and I'm going to holler at y'all, player. Peace. He's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah.